Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Longest-running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine, and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to a very special Midweek Motorsport. It is Series 14, Episode 10 and I'm overlooking the start-finish line and the historic concrete that is Sebring International Raceway. Over and up in London, our executive producer is Tim Gray. Good evening as it is to you, Tim, on a slightly late start because of our FIA World Endurance Championship coverage. Uh, Good evening, John, and welcome to London. I think it's probably slightly nicer weather here. Um, solid, solidly in the uh, late 70s, early 80s Celsius, uh, and the track temperature got up Celsius. into three digits today. Uh, uh, to Fahrenheit, excuse me, yes. Uh, mid 20s, mid to high 20s today. Very nice indeed. Uh, on a packed show tonight, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features. Uh, we have news. We have, uh, we'll be talking about news on two and four wheels. We have news in Spanish. Excellent. Uh, we have a big interview with Sebastian Buemi. Uh, yes. We'll have uh, Jeremy Shaw to talk about IndyCar. We'll have Nick He's Damon. standing to my right now. Yeah. And we'll have Shay Adam. And we'll have a bit of Johnny Palmer as well, because we'll have a bit of a preview of all of the action here, both in the IMSA uh, and the FIA WEC land of things. At Spec Entertainment, please. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, straight into this tonight, Sebring, very good, uh, says, evening all of the week at a, ra- a race closer to Le Mans. Um, good to know you're listening tonight. Uh, also to Matt Griffin, who's listening in after the session. Hello, Matt. Uh, Rob Jainer, listening in. Carol Brink over in Monterey, California. Clocks have changed here in the States, so of course that's... Uh, uh, a little bit of a different time for you lot here in the States. Listening now for ages. Been enjoying all the podcasts this week and looking forward to the weekend coverage. That was Rob a little earlier on tonight. One or two of you uh, with apologies for absence, but keep using the at Specutainment for this one. We're using three different Twitter accounts this week, depending on what shows we're doing. So I'm the one who's going to get it all wrong. Uh, let's crack on, play the jingle, and we'll have the first story. Latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And at this point, I'd like to introduce uh, Nick Damon. Good evening, Nick. Good evening, Kim. Good evening, John. Good evening, the world. That was uh, that was pretty good. I had this, you had me scrambling there. I didn't realise you were going to bring him in straight, straight away. I was just about to go do something elsewhere. Hiya, Nick. How are you? How's uh, well? Are you in a secret location tonight? 
only in the, I am a mile away from the uh, Red Bull factory as I often am. Ah, okay, that's that's fine. Uh, and where would you like to start tonight then with Nick? Does this mean we're going to do a bit of Formula One? Hooray! Well, I'll get in quickly. At some point, we are going to do some, some Formula One, but we're not going to start with some Formula One. Right. Oh, right. Well, we've got to start with then. I'd like to start like with to start the with 2012 the Formula 2012 Renault, Renault champion. champion. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm tempted to steal a line from the Italian job here. For why, Keats? For why? Uh, uh, he's also the 2015 GP2 champion, champion, and back in 2010, he won Formula 4. Formula 4. Right. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I, I, I should know with 2015, but I can't remember. And Giovinazzi? No. No, it's Van Dorn. Ah, Stiffy oh. Van Dorn, Oh, right, okay. Stiffy Dorn, yep. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have a great time in Formula 1. And this no, season, he was uh, he was the only person to get roundly whipped by uh, his teammate last year in qualifying. Lost uh, 21-0. Uh, this season he's moved uh, to Formula E, and he hasn't a great time there either, time mainly, there mainly uh, through bad qualifying, uh, through performance. Bad qualifying performance. Mainly because the HWA team, which become Mercedes next year, is rubbish, but keep going. But this weekend, his this qualifying weekend, performance improved dramatically, didn't it? Because? He was on pole, but what was different about qualifying, Tim? It was wet. It was soaking it was wet. wet. Yes, and the HWA team... Um, is with along with the Neo team, they are the two two Formula E teams who really haven't got a handle on what the heck's going on with this new car. Um, and in the dry, um, both Paffitt and Van Dorm, or the drier, uh, as it was because it wasn't completely dry entirety of the uh, of the Formula E race, um, just went backwards. Um, uh, Van Dorn did put in a good performance, put it on pole, um, but he had a he was drifting back down the field before he had a drive shaft fail that took him out entirely. And Gary Paffitt faded from, I think, third or fourth down to ninth. So those two teams need to look at what they're doing wrong in drive, train and power management because they're being a little bit... Certainly, it's been embarrassing the team's going to be Mercedes next year is doing so badly. Uh, how did his race go? Uh, how did his race go? What, Stoffel? His yes. half shaft broke. Yes. His drive shaft broke. And he parked it um, about two-thirds of the way through. I think. So not but, able uh, to take advantage. Yeah. Take advantage. No, I mean it was it was a it was it was a quite a, uh, a roughly tufty uh, Formula E race. It had three safety cars for various uh, breakdowns and everything else. And of course, the result was decided in the stewards' room uh, when uh, Sam Bird, who crossed the line first, was duck- deducted uh, five seconds. Which, because they had had a very recent safety car, I mean, he dropped down to fifth or I think sixth overall, and he was deducted that because he um, had a bit of argy bargy with Andre Lotter, who'd led most of the race, and. As a result of the argy-bargy, uh, Lotter had picked up a puncture and had to uh, drop out the points. Um, and that was de- you know, sort of deemed avoidable contact, and they uh, they docked uh, birds and points. Now, I have to be honest with you, given the fact that the Formula E appears to be the nudge-up-the-back, crashy-crashy formula we're going around hairpins in street circuits, and everyone hits everyone all the time, it appears, I'm not quite sure why Sam really got penalised when they hadn't penalised penalise anyone ever before and realistically everyone should get penalised um, I've, lost Nick, I've there. lost Nick there carry on Nick um, yeah so that's basically um, that, that was the, the Formula E race but it does go to prove that even Formula E which has this 
look at me, we've got the world's most exciting formula concept, actually does get more exciting when you add the water, you see? So to say it is a proper for racing team you see just add water yes uh, absolutely. Sam Birds, uh, Sam Birds mm. still leading the championship still though the championship though by far uh, fewer points no he started yeah, no no he wasn't leading beforehand it was um, uh, Jerome D'Ambrosio who was leading coming into this event uh, but D'Ambrosio crashed with his teammate Pascal Verlein no fault of their own because ooh one of the other I think it was, might be I can't remember who it was but uh, one of the other drivers had a, um, a damaged car which pointed itself into the barrier and there wasn't enough room to get around it and they both just hit the back of the car with nowhere to go. So that was Formula E. Um, let's move on to Formula One with Nick. Um, right. I'll, I'll pick up here for a little moment, uh, Tim. Um, and a couple of big stories. First of all, there's a point for being fastest but not everybody can get the points so does that make the extra points slightly pointless um well there there is a point about being pointless in in formula one um uh well i mean i think the interesting is that that we have seen you know the 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 desire to get fastest lap has appeared to be realistically only uh down to um uh, uh, Sebastian Vettel, who, who always loved to do the, the fastest lap thing, two laps, and then annoying everybody by doing it. Um, but actually, you know, the interesting thing is that um, they've, they've made the rule now. Because basically, if you're having a pretty poor race, there was, there was a chance you'd get, come in, stick on a set of the stickiest tyres that's available, which would be the softs, um, because regardless of what compound they are now, the softest is called the soft, and try and get yourself with a bit of low fuel, get yourself a point. But they've kind of spoiled that, and I think ruined the whole thing, to be honest, uh, by saying you actually have to finish in the top 10 to qualify for the fastest lap point. And, and that takes away the entirety of the spectacle, really. And i quite like to see, I don't know, Kevin Magnussen's had a bad race. You know, oh, don't care, flip it, I'll go for it. And off we go. Uh, Jeremy Shaw is here at the moment. Uh, uh, Jeremy, don't they do this in F2 as well? Yeah, F2, GP2 before it, uh, GP3, they've had the same thing there. If you don't finish in the top 10, you don't get that extra uh, pole, uh, excuse me, fastest lap point. Um, it, you know, the rule's been there for a while. Um, whether you, whether one agrees with it or not, it certainly doesn't really make sense to have different rules for different FIA categories, in my opinion. Mm. Um I quite like the idea of people scrabbling around at the back if you've got nothing else. Absolutely, I, I agree. I, I mean, you know, uh, you know, plenty of other series uh, around the world give give uh, point a point or, or more for fastest lap. Um, and interesting in this country, look at the road. The road to Indy gives gives points for fastest lap, uh, except for Indy Lights. And the reason the reason they don't give it in Indy Lights is because of the uh, push to pass that the yeah. AER turbo engine has. Uh, but that push the bus is only available to somebody who's following. Not you can't use it defensively. So therefore, they decided that the the, the guy who wins the race has therefore no chance, effectively, of getting that extra bonus point for fastest racer. My my take on that is: so what? He gets the rest of the points for winning the race. If you want to give him one more point uh, for 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 winning instead of it, then whatever. Or you know, what? It, I, I I don't don't really see the logic in that but that's that's the way it, that uh, the rules have been decided uh, we'll have more from jeremy in a little while because we're cool. going to talk about uh, st pete's uh, and the first round of the indy car series and um, we might even get to talk a little bit about what's going on here at the weekend tim where'd you like to go to next uh, we have some other formula one stories 
Right. Uh, so, first of all, we're going to talk about a team that's threatening to leave Formula One. Well, Ferrari's always uh, leaving. Promising or threatening? Uh, <laughs> yes. Potentially right. both. Uh, uh, Ferrari all... Uh, not Ferrari. Always leave. Right, it's not Ferrari. Uh, any ideas, uh, Nick, who is uh, threatening to leave Formula One? A Red Bull, uh, because it's a Tuesday. Um, because of what? If, if it's a Tuesday. You know, oh, and Tuesday. They, haven't, they, haven't, they haven't threatened to leave recently, and they've been saying nice things for a few days about Honda, so now they've been, they need to do a bit of a, a leaving threatening, uh, because that's, <laughs> that's the point. Uh, Christian Horner has said, if things aren't as they want them to be, or how they like for the 2021 rules, then Red Bull might walk away. And everyone else just goes, really? Oh, Stop it. And it's this whole, oh, nothing. Yeah. I mean, it, you read it and you, your heart drops. You know, you were trying to do the whole, we'll say we, the, the Formula One circus should be trying to big everything up and they're straight into shooting themselves in the foot and being argumentative. To start of a season, everyone smiles. If you want to have some rows, wait to the end of the race. And honestly, what's the point? What is the point of saying that? It doesn't help anybody. It's not like a situation where they wouldn't have said it anyway. It's why they say it in public. It's ridiculous. Okay. What else have you got, Tim? Uh, Ferrari is uh, celebrating its 90th year in Formula 1 this season. Uh, and uh, because of that, it's going to have a special livery in Melbourne. Yeah, that's not the reason, though, is it? No. Tell us they've about run the away from their, from their stop smoking or smoke um, mission winnow, which is obviously some sort of stop smoking or smoke less harmful things policy from... Possibly. Uh, Philip Morris, um, and looks weirdly similar to the actual um, logos of, uh, you know, subliminally of, of well-known brands of cigarettes sold by Philip Morris. And the Australians have said, no, mate, you're not pulling that kind of con on me. And uh, therefore, for I say, no, what we'll do, we'll celebrate our 90th, our 90th birthday. S- serious that's, question that's here. When, uh, when MotoGP goes to Australia later in the year, the Ducati team will presumably have to do the same. I would think so. I mean, unless there's been a ruling one way or the other in the intervening period, then yes, they are both, um, you know, this is the really weird thing. Is I mean, I think we discussed before that ever since the tobacco advertising was banned, and I can't remember where that was, about 2007, Philip Morris has still owned the whole of the car in Ferrari. They they, they actually have bought the whole car and then rent and and sub-sell bits out to um, the other sponsors, be they Ray-Bans or whomever. Um, so it's yeah it's it's really um yeah it's it's really interesting it's it's, it's a situation where they 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 they've kind of now decided they've worked out a way where they can actually use this advertising for themselves by this weird concept of yes you know everyone we've got let's all stop smoking with us or smoke less harmful uh, products be it vape, possibly ping or because nobody other, really well, knows I think. Well, they are, I think everyone's agreed they're short-term less, less harmful. There we are, John. We'll all agree on that. Short-term less harmful, as you write. Who, who the heck could know about the long-term when they've been around for 10 years? Right. That's the longest term it could be. Exactly so. Anything more for Nick for the moment, Tim? Uh, yes, let's move on to two wheels with Nick. Right, OK. It was the opening round of MotoGP and its support categories at the weekend in Qatar. 
Under the lights. Cutter under the lights at LaSalle. Uh, two dry races, uh, quite unusually, <laughs> believe it or not. It's in the desert. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't forget that they, they were, but the, what the riders were saying was, and I saw reports say, there'll be no finishers. The dew point is going to come and there's no finishers. We're all going to slide off. And how many people slid off? No one. Um, it was a massive overreact. So they, um, yeah, races, so they, they, three was, great I, races. Happy honest, I didn't have because I was coming back from my international world trip to Abu Dhabi. I only had time to watch my GP. Did you have a party there? Was it and was it a good one? It was a very, very good deal I had there. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a great race. I mean, the, yeah, it, it was a fantastic photograph. I don't know if you've if, if you may have seen it, um, where they had a this year and last year comparison of the of the, of the bikes going over the over the line. It was uh, Dovi ahead by two thirds of a, a a length, and it's almost an identical photograph year on. Interesting. The only real difference is the sponsorship on the Ducati. I, um, but there, yeah, I I. Um... I thoroughly enjoyed the race. I thought Rossi coming from 14th uh, to a top five finish was great. Cal Crutchlow, his best, I think that's one of his best races, even better than some of the races he's won. He was in four, uh, he was in third rather, and the the top three were just absolutely outstanding. Sorry, was Cal in fourth or was he in third? No, he was third. He, was third. he, was he got third, past yes. um... How good is it to see Suzuki doing well? I mean, they've, they've often had a bike that has turned and stopped very well, but now they've got one that goes very well as well. It's got it's clearly got a bit more power. And their riders seem to be able to take completely different lines, particularly through the quick stuff. I, I, I was very, very impressed that that was three different manufacturers in the top three on that podium in MotoGP at the top level. No, it wasn't. It was three in the top four because Cal, Cal, Cal obviously is a Honda rider, as is Marquez. And Cal's also actually on the this year's bike as well this year. Yeah, so they, they're part of the 19 bike. But yeah, there was a good variety because obviously it was Ducati, Honda, Honda, uh, Suzuki, and then Yamaha. Uh, Maverick Vinales, who started on pole, faded immediately and never came back. I think it, it, the, the, by lap. Then in that one, it was sixth and then dropped back seventh or eighth. Rossi did the normal thing um, he does, which is be as good as you can possibly be on Sunday. But whether the there's an issue with the bike or it just it wasn't suiting uh, the low-style circuit or whether Rossi wasn't going to have to wait for another couple of races to find out, but it didn't look a particularly positive thing. I mean, it wasn't left behind, but then the, um, the the Qatar track actually does tend to bring these these more freight trainee races, hence the reason it's a, it's a popular place to start. Um, my no, ride, my really, rider really of the great. weekend, mate, was the the young Frenchman. He had Lewis Hamilton in his corner for most of the weekend. Did you did you see him? Did you spot that? The guy who Stalled. I didn't see Lewis, but I did, I did see him stall on the grid and then have to uh, uh, come from the back and then not quite make the points. He was sixteenth and just missed out the points despite setting all the early fastest laps after starting probably about fifteen seconds behind the pack. And I've, of course, as I started to say that, I've forgotten his name. Is it Quant? Quanta, obviously not. He would have been right in it. And he was on the Yamaha as well. Everybody says that Yamaha is a good bike to get onto uh, early on in your MotoGP career. That was proven. Um, all right, you didn't see Moto2 and Moto3. Shame on you. But if I had to tell you, only, <laughs> only one rider uh, took the penalty loop this weekend. And he actually did it after he was only warned, so he didn't have to do it. Who was it? Uh, that'll be our Italian friend, uh, the madman who grabbed the uh, his name escaped me again in my short term memory. Who grabbed the brake lever and got banned and then unbanned again? Romano, yes, ah. it was absolutely that. He got one black and white flag and decided to bail out of a heck of a battle he was having for third and ended up finishing down the top ten. So it wasn't required 
to be used. Uh, so, LaSalle, uh, in the books, where do they go to next? It's a brilliant question. I don't know. Um, I, I know the... Do you know I don't know, actually? Where is it? Is it Argentina? Are they off that way? Right. I can't remember. I'll take your word for it. I, I know that I'm going to have it. I've got it on series link, so I'll get to watch it from wherever I was. Uh, Nick, don't go away for the time being. We'll be back with Nick in a moment. Tim Gray is over in London. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. We're live from Sebring. Series 14, episode number 10. And Jeremy Shaw is alongside me. He was in St. Petersburg at the weekend. Had a quiet drive across on Tuesday morning and Tim Greer has some questions for you about the the opener for St. Pete's for IndyCar and its supports. Tim, what you got for, for Jeremy? I was going to say, it's not that far from St. Petersburg, is it? To see no, they had a very nice couple little of drive. Yeah, couple, a couple of hours, hours. drive. No, very civilised. Let's uh, start with Indy Lights. We have uh, more cars than last year, but not many more. And uh, we still only need two hands, really, don't we? <laughs> yes, but uh, I mean, if you look at it as, a, as a, the glass half full, it's a forty percent increase from last season. <laughs> so, to go from seven to ten, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Uh, and I know there's a lot of disappointment that Carlin didn't join the grid as well, because certainly for a while it looked like there would be a dozen cars on the grid, and that's almost twice as many as they had last season. Yeah. So, you know, let's not get too, too greedy. And I know there's a couple of teams looking to come into it next year. RP Motorsport USA, uh, you know, a branch of the, the, the Italian. Uh, base team they've had a lot of success in Europe in all sorts of different categories came last year into what is now the Indy Pro 2000 championship did very well uh, and also had a podium finish uh, last weekend in the first round of this season that, that team certainly is looking at Indy Lights in the future Tim and some uh, new drivers uh, moving up and moving into uh, American racing for the first time so Zachary Clemens and Melo who were um, has been very exciting in other uh, f- uh, of the uh, Road to Indy uh, races over the last couple of years. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, he he, he he came straight into Indy Lights uh, two years ago, having just done some kind of regional F3 uh, in the UK and a couple of Formula Renault races. He went straight into Indy Lights, which is a very kind of bizarre thing to do from my perspective. Uh, did did pretty well. He did a couple of years uh, of Indy Lights, won a race at Road America, then last year stepped up into the Indy cars and did, I think he did eight races with Dale Coyne Racing. Uh, this year, from my perspective, sensibly, he's taken a step back in order to move forward and he is uh, doing a full season of Indy Lights and they came away with a first and a second last weekend. He's now, by the way, dropped the DeMello. So it's just Zachary, Cl- Zach- Zachary Clayman. You're now. a big fan of the ladder series and a, co- a yeah. proper career progression. Whether, um, Funny enough, we were talking about Kimi Raikkonen yeah. uh, in, in Formula 1 and he jumped straight from... Um, Formula Renault in the UK into Formula 1, which ensued Formula Renault the next year was oversubscribed. Right. Um, but that didn't necessarily do him the best in his in his career. And and we've seen people in the States thinking they could jump straight into either the big show or indeed into Indy Lights. And, and they can kind of... I mean, if they're a good enough driver, they'll survive, but it's not necessarily the best career path. No, I mean, yeah, there's the ladder there for the reason. If you're trying to be a... a, a if you want to be a, a top-class barrister in the UK, if you want to be a Queen's Counsel, you don't just go straight <laughs> into being a Queen's Counsel, do I've you? You start at the very bottom and you work <laughs> your way up. If you want to be a house builder... You don't start building a house from the very, very beginning. You start off doing bits and bits, you know, laying the bricks and learning how the, all the bits work. And it's just motor racing is no different to anything else. Football, you know, if you want to be a, 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 foot, you know, a 
you don't go straight from school to the Premier League in the UK. Motor racing is no different. Why some people seem to think it is any different is absolutely beyond me. And people say the talent majority, will out though. If if you're good enough, then you're experienced enough. But look, that's not always the case. The only guys that ever really went from Formula Three to Formula One, skipping out F2 or whatever the the you know, the it intermediary was yeah. Formula was, uh, 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 Ayrton Senna and Alan Prost. Uh, they, were the, they were the two guys that missed that level and were good enough to make it at the top level. Uh, everybody else... And they were pretty special, let's be honest. Both that's of them, in very point. different ways. That's my point. They were very special. But, it, but, even, Alan, but even both of those two, Ayrton Senna did Formula Ford, F1600. Then he did Formula Ford 2000. Mm. A lot of people don't remember that. Correct. And then he did Formula 3. So at least he'd done you know, three steps before he got... To, uh, to Formula One. Alan Prost did the same. He did Formula Renault as it was then or, and then Super Renault or I forget what it was called. It is Super Renault I think it was called that back then. So again, yeah, they missed out the, the, the mid, the, that, that sort of top rung below uh, Formula One but they were good enough quite clearly to make it at the top levels and as you say, they, those two were a bit special. <laughs> Most of the other drivers who try to skip out steps along the way fall by the wayside. I, I, I will always maintained that if Kimi Raikkonen had taken the proper path and been properly prepared for when he got to Formula 1, he would be now a three or four-time world champion because clearly the guy's good. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to disparage him in any way at all, but I just think if he had done those steps, he'd be better prepared when he got to Formula 1. And, you know, he had a good good couple of first years. Well, you started off with Sauber, didn't he? But it was then straight to... Did you go to Ferrari then or did you go to McLaren? I can't remember now. My, my memory is fading. But my point is that as soon as he, as soon as he, uh, it, it wasn't easy in front of him, as soon as there some struggles or some hurdles to overcome, he didn't have that background of information to know when he does struggle how to overcome that. And that's what you learn when you come up through the ranks. But look, back to Indy Lights. I mean, last season, yeah, there were only seven cars. But I tell you what, I've seen, I've seen that, that, that series since it started out as the American Racing Series in 1986. And I can quite categorically tell you that last year was one of the best years ever in terms of the competition. Yeah, great. Because uh, Pato Award, Patricio Award and Colton Hurton, two extremely talented youngsters, well, they were out at hammer and tongs the whole season. They were out at hammer and tongs the whole season. And all the other guys behind them were all good guys too. Everybody last season, all seven guys, won a pole position. that You don't get that by luck. And they were all on the podium wow. at one time or another. That's so, pretty remarkable. Uh, the pole position stat is the remarkable one there. Because you could say, all right, there may be with attrition with only seven cars on the yeah. race. If somebody has an issue, you might get, you might quote unquote look into a, a, a podium. But you don't look into a pole. No, You've got to have been able to drive the car. You've got to be able fast. to drive the car. Uh, and so, you know, one step at a time. You know, they've got 10 cars on the grid. Toby Sowery came in at the last minute uh, last weekend from, from the UK. Did a really nice job. Had a sec- two podium finishes, a second and a third. Was very, very impressive. Um, but, you know, there's, it, it's a big surprise to me that there aren't more drivers doing it. I, I, I like the fact that toward the end of last year, IndyCar finally decided, look, you can't come straight from other series and go straight to IndyCar. You now have to go yeah. through Indy Lights. Yeah. And hopefully that's going to, uh, you know, that, that picture is going to change. And Carlin certainly had an intention yes. of returning to Indy Lights this season and, uh, uh, and you know, to bring drivers up to prepare them for the uh, NTT IndyCar but series. That's not unlike the uh, driver license point system right. that, the, that, that happens in, to get you to Formula One. Correct. You've got to have done certain things. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. We're live trackside at Sebring International Raceway uh, where still more people are squeezing in. 
uh, to the campgrounds and parking areas ahead of the 67th running of the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring at the weekend and the fifth round of the FIA World Endurance Championship. That's on Friday night, the Sebring 12 Hours, of course, on Saturday night. Tim, a bit more indie stuff for Jeremy? Uh, yes, uh to mention that uh, Rhinus VK was the winner of the other Indy Lights race, wasn't mm. he? Yep. Um, yeah, Rhinus is he, he's a talent, that, that he, young man. Yeah, very much uh, so. I've, I've had dealings with him through some of the guys that we know in Holland, and he's very highly thought of. He's got good backing. He's gone about his... Now, there's somebody who's gone about his craft quite well. was massive in karting, of course. Yep. Went up through the stages of karting, and his car career has been properly managed if you will. Yeah, he's do, again, one step at a time. You know, he, he's, he's moving up pretty quickly. Uh, he did one year of, of USF 2000. That was his first season of car racing, but he did a huge amount of testing beforehand. Correct. He's also raced in the M- MRF Challenge in India. This last, this winter just, just passed, I mean, just two weeks ago, he tied up, he won the uh, Asian F3 Winter Series against some pretty good drivers there, yeah. including Dan mm. Tictum. Who's uh, rated? You know, mm. who's highly tipped by by Red Bull? He beat uh, bit Dan pretty squarely by all accounts. Certainly beat him in the championship. I think Dan didn't actually do the last weekend because he, well, whatever he didn't do the last weekend, but he was well beaten before that in any case. So Renus, uh, he won last year's uh, the Indy Pro 2000 Championship as it is now, uh, very very well, uh, and he now has moved up again into Indy Lights. And what's interesting about that for me is that Oliver Askew. Also, stellar karting career from, from Florida, just a couple of hours away from here in Sebring. Oliver won that USF 2000 championship in 2017 when Renus finished second. Uh, and those two uh, then moved up together last year to uh, what was then Pro Mazda. Uh, Renus won it. Oliver finished third. And now they're both stepping up to Indy Lights. And Oliver qualified on the pole position for the second race at St. Petersburg last week. And unfortunately, he was from my perspective, punted off by, by Renus at the, at the second corner. They made contact. Uh, uh, Askew's car was in the wall out of the race, and uh, VK went on to win it. Uh, so those two are really talented young guys. But the, I say the difference between the two of them is that Oliver hasn't done those other extraneous races and all that amount of testing. Mm. He hasn't got the budget to do that. The, Renus has got some great support behind him, financial support, enabling him to really extract the most of his potential. So those two... Uh, are, are definitely names to watch for in the future. Let's move on to Tim? the big race. Uh, oh, yes. The 110 laps of uh, St. Petersburg, the Firestone Grand Prix. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing that struck me, there was a lot more green flag running than there has been over recent years. Yeah, and I yeah. think and I think that affected the way the race was won, and indeed, Jeremy, the way the way the race was won. I knew I would struggle uh, with that. Not to take anything away from the drivers who all did their part, but when you get green flag running, how many times have we said this in sports car racing? Then the rest of the team have to do their job as well because there's no packing up behind a safety car to bring everything back together and that's where good teams shine and that's when Penske and particularly Tim Sindrick shone the brightest. Yeah, yeah I mean, this is a proper motor race. You know, the last last couple of years, uh, Sebastian Bourdais kind of come from the back because of the timing of the call, full course cautions just worked out in his favour uh, and and he was able to take advantage and win the race. Well, there was none of that this season. Uh, the fastest guys qualified up front and stayed up front and uh, it was Joseph Newgarden who was really impressive. Uh, I think the key to winning the race for jo- Joseph was uh, saving uh, a set of brand new 
alternate Firestone tyres, the red sidewall tyres, the softer tyres, and he ran those in the middle stint and pulled out, I believe it was nine seconds of a lead in that middle Correct. middle part of the race. Towards the end, uh, Scott Dixon closed in a bit uh, for various reasons, uh, but uh, it was that, that middle part of the race that really broke the camel's back for Joseph Newgarden, a, a very, very well-earned victory. He did exactly as he was asked to do. Yeah. They left him out longer yeah. in that in that stint as well, and they timed. I mean, that's a dangerous strategy, because if you do get caught, caught on the wrong side of a, a yellow flag, you're going to lose that track position. They thought it was worth it. Everybody executed. The pit stops were great, and Joseph did exactly what he needed to do when he was in clear air. I thought it was a stunning result all round. Uh, I, I, Tim, who, was it that, who, who caught your eye then? Uh, a couple of drivers I want to mention. First of all, Felix Rosenquist. Now, Jeremy yes. uh, won't be surprised that uh, he's uh, up there and finishing just outside the podium places uh, because Jeremy studies these things. But uh, I think a lot <laughs> of uh, Americans uh, will wonder where he's come from. Yeah, well, you know, if they'd been paying attention to Indy Lights from a few years ago, they'd know because he won on the streets of uh, St. Petersburg uh, for Bellardi Auto Racing uh, two or three years ago. Uh, so, you know, the talent was there and you know, everything Felix has driven over the last few years has been quick in, hasn't he? So, I mean, he pulled off a brilliant pass early in uh, in the early stages of last Sunday's race uh, and uh, was you know, right there in contention. I think he was kind of let, back, let down by the pit stops. Honestly, I'm not quite sure of the of the ins and outs of that, but whether whether it was the time of the stops or whether there were slow stops, I, I don't honestly know because I didn't wasn't able to play close enough attention. But certainly, it was a very impressive uh, first uh, debut for Felix in the same way as Robbie Wickens impressed everybody last year on his debut. Didn't uh, you know, neither of them ended up winning a race because, of course, Robbie last year, you remember, was taken out on the final lap, which was mm. fairly silly. But uh, this time, at least, Felix Rosenquist was nothing like that. He had a really good run all the way through and to come away with a fourth base finish on his debut, uh, very impressive. But not, as you say, not surprising because uh, the, the, he clearly has talent. One of the passes of the race, possibly one of the passes of the season yeah. already at the start uh, of the season as he went down the inside of uh, Scott Dixon, wasn't it? That he went down the Was it Scott Dixon who went down the inside of that uh, was Will Power. Thank yeah. you, Shea. Um And that part of the circuit into turn one at St. Pete's, you're going across a lot of paint. And even mm. when that paint is dry, there are different grip levels. And the way he handled that front tyre locked up, he came back off the brakes, rolled it into the corner, then toughed it out with Will Power, who he doesn't give, Will doesn't give up a position <laughs> no. easily. It wasn't after you, Claude, no after you, Sebastian, was it? It was not. Uh, but again, you know, he'd learned that trick in Indy Lights. Good He's point. raced there in Indy Lights, so he knows what the grip is. It was also interesting watching in the warm-up session last Sunday morning, actually, to see uh, all the drivers trying that inside line or even trying the outside line, trying the different lines because it's a, a hugely wide corner. It's kind of reminiscent in some ways of, of the airport at Cleveland yes. where you go for a, a, you know, a, a, a very tight Look turn when front. it's not quite as tight yeah. as, as Cleveland was. But uh, it, it's certainly a good ploy by the drivers to, to learn uh, you know, put their cars in different their car in a different location in the braking area to learn what, what it, how much grip there is on each different parts of the racetrack. Tim, you said two drivers you wanted to talk about. Who's the other one? Uh, the other one, Colton Herter, uh, another rookie. Um, he uh, had... It's not really bad luck because uh, uh, it was quite justifiable in both cases, but he was penalised in qualifying and penalised again oh, after the race. I thought that was harsh. I thought it was harsh the qualifying one. Everybody was backing up to get their lap. And he was penalised after the race, was he? What was that? 
Yes, for uh, a pit safety infraction. Oh, was he? Okay. It only means running over equipment. didn't know about that. I must uh, admit. It was on his first uh, you, stop. You got me on that one. He oh, so during the race? Yes, during yes. the race, yeah. Okay, sorry. fine. Yeah, 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 fine. I, I thought you meant after the race, sorry. Uh, yeah, right. Well, you know, yes, but what did he do? Run over whatever he did? I guess. It, it, th- those those pit lane penalties are pretty cut and dried. I didn't see it, I must admit, but yeah. they're pit, pretty cut and dried. If you run over some equipment or or you, you know, unsafe release, effectively, there's all sorts of things but you can get pinged for. The thing about Colton is we've seen what he can do, again, coming through that ladder system, and that there's the there's the link again that we've, we've talked about. So seeing what he could do... Um, You've got to think, I wonder what would have happened if some of these youngsters had been in, these new guys had been in last year when everybody was still getting used to the new car. I wonder if they'd have been even more impressive. The the older hands, as it were, have had at least a year to get their heads around what was described as a difficult car. And yet these these new rookies have still come in and... I'm not going to say they've completely shaken up the world order of things in IndyCar, but they've certainly given it a little nudge, haven't they? Well, they haven't, you know, and Patricio Ward, he's going to be on the grid for the next race that's good at uh, Circuit of the Americas. That's great news, certainly, for him. He's going to join the Carlin organisation there for, uh, I think it's 12 races, so he's going to be a busy boy this season, uh, the last year's Indy Lights champion. That's going to be really interesting to see because we all remember uh, the sparkling debut that he put on at Sonoma Raceway in the final race of last season. So that's certainly going to be uh, going to be fun to watch. And especially to Any see the Jeremy? battle between oh, yeah. uh, between uh, Paso and Colton again in uh, in the big yes. cars. Yeah, very much so. That's going to be uh, that's going to be rather good fun, isn't it? So the, the other sort of talking point, perhaps after last weekend, was the qualifying uh, because the first one of the two groups they split the first the field group into out. two. Yeah, I hate their qualifying system personally. I just don't like. We it. We haven't been able to see it in the UK um, easily unless you're online. Uh, right. And the new deal with Sky Sports F1, both part of NBC and Sky Sports F1, both part of Comcast. So the new deal meant that we got to see that, and I sat and watched it, and it seemed unnecessarily complicated. Yeah, I think and, it and is. too many different elements to it. But the thing that was the the controversy, uh, Jeremy, was the first group. I don't think any of them got actually more than. Did anybody get a flying lap? Yeah, well, it was sort of an out, out, out lap or first sort of flying lap, and that was about it. But several seconds off the pace, certainly nobody. They didn't get an opportunity to uh, to, to lay down a representative lap time, and they just you know, went with what they had, and and that was it. Because they so, don't stop the clock under a red flag. Basically, there was a couple of red flag right. interruptions. Right, and they have time certain schedule, and I think I think in instances like that, you have to, you should have. Yeah, a minimum amount of green flag time, which uh, as we have here in IMSA. Uh, it is. I mean, I understand what they're trying to go. They're going for some excitement. They're trying to make it into a, a TV show, effectively. Yeah, yeah um, the fast six at the end of the day, the fast and fast six, which is it builds up well, to there's that. A, there's the a fast twelve and then a fast six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same sort, of similar system to Formula One, but different. Um, and um, and I don't like the fact that yeah, the the grids are all sort of shuffled up in terms of your lap times. You can be you and can, how are those set, Jeremy? Are they set by your practice times in early part of the week? Or they what, set how, by what, the splitting of the, the grid? Yes. Of the, honestly, I can't remember. I'm not sure, but the, but it always seems weird to me. I, I was I, Funny enough, if I go back to Moto 2 and Moto 3, and Nick Damon, I think he's still on the line. Nick, are you, st- are you still there? I'm always here. Lovely. The, <laughs> we, we had this issue. We, we had a, not a dissimilar issue, and Moto GP, Moto 2, uh, also, um, they they've started to take the, the practice times into uh, into 
consideration. And therefore, what you get is 10 riders who go straight through to what is effectively final qualifying. And everybody else goes into another session. And it's like a repercharge situation. So if you've had a problem, um, the top two go forward. And that, that's transformed these practice sessions. Well, it certainly helped them. I think, uh, interestingly, right, a number of really well-known riders fell foul of this, this season. This race uh, last weekend. I mean, because what happened was there was only one session which was much quicker. They had two during the day and one during the evening, and the evening session was the quick one. And it's your fastest time in any of the sessions. And as you said rightly, John, the top ten goes straight through to qualifying two. Qualifying one is everyone else, which is I think fourteen riders this year. And the top two go through. Um, and we had Rossi. I think we had Crutch and a couple of others um, who got caught into in that uh, bottom area, and, and Rossi didn't get out of it. Well, and qualified outside the top top twelve. Yeah, and in fact, it is the final practice session before qualifying that that splits those uh, those groups. As Johnny Palmer has found the relevant piece of the NTT series uh, regs, uh, that's on road courses. The different procedure on ovals. Uh, Tim uh, Scott Dixon spun in in uh, qualifying, caused a red flag. That, that should have seen him not taking part shouldn't it it wasn't a red flag it was a uh, yellow flag but oh, apparently okay. the yellow flag wasn't waved and therefore uh, the spin wasn't counted <laughs> so Dixie was a bit a bit lucky uh, off to uh, another uh, very another very different track next because it's uh, off to Kota indeed so the very first visit for IndyCar there for a race weekend they had a test there last month uh, which uh, was uh, the, the drivers loved, mm. and uh, so that's going to be interesting. We're actually, it's next weekend, so um, s- you know, straight from straight from me from uh, from here to there for well, some of the people, I guess, but yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't get to go home until August. No, I, am, oh, I am going home, thankfully, yeah, but <laughs> for a couple of days. Anything more for Jeremy? Uh, I don't think so. No. Okay, Mister Shaw. Yeah, I tell you what, just uh, what was interesting. There, there were two. Well, four mechanical problems for for Honda engine cars mm. oh, yes. uh, last Some weekend in a race that was well. kind of interesting well there were yeah Sebastian Bourdais Ryan Hunter Ray in particular Ryan Hunter Ray just has ridiculous luck. bad luck at St Petersburg and uh, so you know there he is he's already you know 50 points or better part of 50 points behind in the championship chase which is in, immensely frustrating for the guy um but uh, certainly you know the, the the only two Chevrolet retirements they they were both Self-inflicted, they hit the wall. Mm. Um, but uh, who was that? That was Ed Jones and, and uh, Matthias Lace right. who were involved signing yes. in the same sort of in- incident. Ed just clipped the inside wall and smacked into the outside. And then Lace clearly wasn't paying attention because there's another half a dozen cars that got through. But he clipped the the rear tire that was sticking out from the wall, and uh, that was it. It took out his. Yeah, it's got onto the seafront uh, area, yeah, wasn't it? Back onto the seafront. Abs- yeah, so is that turn that seven? That's but completely certainly blind. there's mechanical problems there for the Honda teams. That's been a little bit of a concern. Um, I think uh, going into the rest of the season, but the Honda say no. They, they, it was all not not a problem. They will be fine next time out. And certainly, Ryan Hunter Ray will now need a strong result at Circuit Americas to get himself back up into the championship chase. Uh, I'm very envious of you going there. I love uh, Austin as a city. I think the 
track at Corte is somewhat underrated. Um, it's it's lovely to drive, and, it, and I think it'll race well for the Indy cars. They don't have the downforce of Formula One cars. They won't post the times. I, I, as we said in the, the preview show, I, I, I don't think it's important about about that. It'll be how it races, and I think it'll race really well. And if we get lots of green flag racing, it could be another belter, Jeremy. I hope so. Yeah. I'll drink to that. All right. I'll let you go and get ready because you've Thank got to you. do some work here in a moment. The IPC cars are out on the track. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport, uh, and this is Season 14, Episode 10. Tim is over in London. Where would you like to take us now in the world of motorsport? Lotecías en español. Olé. Por Midweek Motorsport. Uh, so it's deal of the century next, then, is it? <laughs> uh, not today. No. Okay. Well, the good news is we've still got uh, Nick on board. Nick, are you? Have you ready with your uh, Spanish phrase book? Ole, por favor, je suis dans the vaisseur. Oh dear, this might be a long evening. Right, quickly, let's French run through. Bleeding into that. Uh, Quién es Lina? Uh, is that where is Lena or who is Lena? Who is Lena? And and are we talking Hang about on, somebody's name or someone who's slimmer than someone else? Nick, what do you reckon? Well, I think uh, well, it, it, Spanish is an interesting language. You always need more than t- two words to work out what the hell's going on. Okay, give me another line, Nick. Uh, Tim, sorry. El nuevo sueño del piloto Alemania, Sebastian Vettel, Salama, Lena. Ah. Well, you know, you know how Sebastian Vettel is very much um, guarding of his private life. Right. He doesn't let anything on. He hasn't even told anyone the name of his children or if he's got any children officially. Right. But he's turned up. He's now bought himself a llama. Right. Um, probably uh, in some brand sort new of, llama uh, for this year. Homage. Yep. Omar. It's a mission. It's a mission. It's a mission. Willow uh, llama. Um, because it likes wood and it's going to be called Lena so it's Lena the Llama isn't that lovely as he bautizo a su nuevo Ferrari la SF90 para competir en esta temporada y trata de frenar la hegemonia del pentacampeón mm. el inglés Lewis Hamilton see I, I, I can see why you thought that Nick but I, I, I think you've been a bit too literal there because yeah, but- well, I know you're a student of the language and you like to go for the classical way, but I think what you've been confused with here is the use of the word llama actually does not mean a furry, long-necked animal. It is a colloquialism which actually we sometimes cut when we say donkey for engine in the back of a car. I see, right, OK. So this, I mean, this is the well, new, see, I, new I, I engine think in the back of his Ferrari. I think you've actually got... You, you, I think what they've decided, I think you might be right there, because they have a hegemony, a hegemony which is a you know a gathering of, 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 of people, but also a Pentecostal. So that, that's the, some sort of element of witchcraft in an attempt to to damage Lewis Hamilton. So they're going to use a witchcraft-enhanced engine this year. Which they've given a name to, and it's, it's Lena and Mina, obviously. Go ahead, Tim. Vettel Afrontara, su quinta temporada en Ferrari, y Angelia Conquista... Supreme Titolo Mundial con la Scuderia Italiano. Nick? Right. right. Well, it's interesting because based on this, they've, they've obviously realised that they are um, uh, going to be needing 
a number of things. And they're going to need the superior titterer. So they're going to bring Frankie Howard back. No. From the dead. Really? So, no, uh, Mrs. Titter, well, ye not Lena. No, and hang on. Your, your witchcraft, Lewis. Well, there you go. Not just witchcraft, but... Not, no, hey, no, yeah, no, yeah. Some kind of communicating with the other side. Okay, it's Tim. More? La moral esta alta. El equipo esta en el camino correcto. Right. Well, well, well you know, what's happening here is, is, is that not only is Frankie Howard going to be uh, uh, sorting out um, a number of things regarding the, uh, the witchcraft-powered engine, he's also um, going to be judging a concourse event in America looking for the most correct Camino. Um, so he's, he's, he's now going to become a concourse judge and anti-witchcraft, and he, despite all, all of that, being dead for 15 years. And is that like an El Camino, like a pickup truck, or was it a camiono, meaning a, lo- a small lorry? That's what I need to well, know. Well, that's, yeah, I think My sometimes... I, I do believe this whole uh, press release has been written in South American Spanish. I don't recognise all of it. Uh, well, that's why Shea could have probably helped us. Is that it, Tim? Uh, that's the end of that one, yes. Uh, right, OK. Uh, can you, Nick, I do think you know what it was probably, really about? It was about him calling his new car, Lena. Yes. Um, the, the, the new Ferrari. Do you and know egged the on by Mark Webber. Formula One cars. He doesn't let us know what his children's names are, but he wants to know what they... He was egged on by Mark Webber, who was doing the presentation for this. Come on, then, give us the names of his other cars. Do you know any of them, Nick? Yep. Saucy Sue, Captain Pugwash, uh, the world's greatest elephant. No. Um, Whoops, I've crashed again in the wet. That's now World Championship gone wrong. Uh, Things like that. Uh, The first one was uh, Julia. That was his Toro Rosso. Uh, Then we had Kate... And Kate's dirty sister. Then uh, Luscious Liz. Right. Horny Mandy. Mm-hmm. Sexy Kylie. I remember Sexy Kylie, yes. Uh, Abby. Right. Heidi. And Susie. Right. And now this is Lena. Well, Spelled L I N A, apparently. Correct, yes. Mm, okay. Can I let Nick go now? I think we ought to. Because we've got a guest, yes, haven't we? Too. Uh, hang on, Nick, thank you very stairs. much indeed. Have a good evening. Thank you, guys. Cheers, thank mate. You. Bye. Bye. Uh, we do have a guest because in something that is becoming a bit of a tradition here, uh, joining us from the great outdoors uh, <laughs> early in this Sebring week uh, Someone who's is, normally uh, here on a Thursday. Somebody who would normally hear on a Thursday once a month on uh, RS1 on the Torah Radio Show, Lewis Satterley, uh, has joined. How are you doing, man? Uh, doing quite well. A little hot out there right now and tired from the early move-in this morning. We had to wake up at 5 to move into the circuit. So it's I busy think out drink- there already, isn't it? It is very busy and very hot, and I think I made it over here in record time because normally it takes me about 40 minutes from the walk from 11, but that new bridge cut down about 15 minutes. Really? Yeah, that's wonderful. And how's it out in, in the boonies out there? It, it turns 10 and 11. Filling up already? Uh, I think we were probably one of the first ones in there. Yeah, actually, I hopped in with somebody... That was sixth in line, and before the sun came up, it looked like it's a Friday day or Friday crowd outside here. So, I mean, everybody's been talking about how um, impressive the the take up's been on this. I mean, frankly, this is always a busy event. It, it seems to me that everyone has come earlier. It, it, there may well be a few more people here, but the thing that I'm taking from this right now is everyone has come earlier because, effectively, you guys were only let in this morning. Yes. 
But I've been here since Friday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And there's been some people here, what, a couple of weeks? Uh, one good friend of ours that's always out in the line, I think when he goes home on Sunday, he will have been here for 20 days. Um, I know way back when I was in my teens and they didn't really have a restriction on when they let people out in the field, there's one gentleman that came here and he's no longer with us, unfortunately, but he arrived here on Christmas Eve one year hmm. and could be first in line. So shows you what diehard crowd we have here. Tell us uh, a little bit about, you had some very big news on the Toy Radio Show in the last episode. If you guys, if, uh, talk to our regular motorsport uh, fans here, if, you, if you're not aware of this, this is uh, the, the Toy Radio Show is the online racing association uh, that's been with us for quite a while now. Uh, all things virtual and simulation uh, racing. And it's a, it's a monthly show. It goes out on a, a Thursday at uh, 8 o'clock, and, and we try and remind everybody when it's coming along. Um, and big news, as I say, uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in the last episode. Yeah, uh, we are continuing on with the official eSports championship of the British GT. That kicks off on March 21st on the Forza Motorsport platform. So if you have an Xbox, go visit our website on the theonlineracingassociation.com and... Sign on to the forums, get yourself signed up to race in the series, and it's pretty much an open grid. I mean, you can have very minimalistic skills, but with how many people come in to do these races, it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are, you're going to have somebody close to race. How many years is is this now of the Online Racing Association, first of all? Matt's probably going to punch me in the face if I say the wrong number, but I'm going to guess 12. Right. Uh, And the last, what, three or four years at least, actually probably four or five years at least, I know having spoken to Matt for many years, it's really seen an uptick in real-world series that are linking directly to the virtual world. And and you guys, Online Racing Association, are recognised as a motorsports organiser by what is now called Motorsport UK, what used to be the RAC MSA. You were the first virtual organiser to get that. And I believe still the only virtual organiser to be registered as a as an organising body with their um, their National Motorsports Association. It's all started. Those those bridges have been built now, haven't they? Um, I would say we're probably in the process of putting on final touches of those bridges, really, because. Right. I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day, and we tend to take a little bit longer on that, but I'll admit. But, you know, it. in order for things to succeed, you have to have slow expansion initially. And then if you want it to be there for a very, very long time, you, again, have to do slow expansion, build up these relationships and what have you. So overall, I think we're right there, like you said. The bridge is there, the foundations were there a long time ago, and now we're there. Uh, and... As the games uh, uh, develop, and particularly Forza, and I know because obviously I work with the guys at Turn Turn and with Forza Motorsport, the games develop, being able to log uh, track limits, that's all de- uh, developing to get things like adjudication time down if you're doing live races and things like that. That's all developing actually at a quicker rate sometimes than we see in the real world. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, Forza just had an update where the track limits were absolutely in, enforced and everything. And that's something we've been asking for for a long time as a sim racing crew because now that kind of takes away from our online stewards who have to do, basically do it in their free time. Yeah, I mean, these are people that do have a 9-to-5 job every day. So, in a sense, I welcome it because it could potentially take away a lot of work for them. Nobody has to go in there and do the dreaded SIs or anything like yes. that. So now they can go ahead and enjoy the racing and... 
and, and and what basically we're saying is, as well, by the way, that this is a race series that's taken just as seriously, all of the Tory race series, uh, and there's some great classic events as well, taken just as seriously as the real world. You have rules, you have regulations, you have supplemental regulations, you have balance of performance, and, and to make sure nobody has an advantage on which model of car that they're racing. And exactly. that's not done. that's not done... By sticking a finger in the air, that's data-driven. That is data-driven. Actually, matter of fact, with another event that's actually coming up, not this weekend, but the following weekend, I get my dates mixed up. That's what happens when you spend a week out in line at Sebring. But <laughs> So Saturday after the 12 hours of Sebring, we're doing our historic 20 or 12 hours of Sebring where we're doing 1960s to 70s era of cars. And just exactly as you said, through that balance of performance aspect, we've actually had to unfortunately outlaw the Porsche 906 because somebody has found a really fast tune that just blows everything out of the water. So, fortunately, we have to where no manufacturer has an investment in there to where we say this car cannot be participate because it's just simply not fair. No, indeed. Uh, I mentioned classic events because there's been a big interest in classic events. There's always... Lots of potential with yourselves, with other people as well, to go racing in the latest, greatest machinery. As soon as some new downloadable content comes out, somebody will find somewhere. Oh, look, the new Porsche's come out. Let's make sure that that's eligible for our series. Oh, the new Ford GT or whatever it is. Let's get it in there. Um, all the liveries are turned around super quick. I know uh, the Gradient Racing NSX that Dex's guys were racing a quarter raced on the Saturday and Sunday and somebody had the livery out by the Monday. I mean, it's an extraordinary thing. But there's a nice big growth mirroring real-life racing in what I would call classic races, cars that aren't GT3s, that require a bit of driving and that are going to move around. Why do you think that is? Uh, personally, I think it's you're seeing a shift, I personally believe, because whenever we had the latest and greatest racing game come out, they bring out the latest and greatest cars. Obviously. And as you get interested in those cars, you know, you kind of start following the sport in itself. And then usually, especially at events like this, unfortunately, we don't have it this year. We also used to have the uh, historic cars that come out here. And you see this really classic car. It's like, oh, I didn't know they raced that. Or that's a really cool car. What is that? It'd be great if it was on Forza or Gran Turismo or iRacing or what have you. And they listened to that aspect of it to where now they're introducing a lot more of those cars. And people get to drive those cars that they got to see of past or something that they saw as their childhood or as um, one advertisement that Forza had is that we like to race the ghosts of legends past. Yeah, very good. So, get a chance to do it. I, I actually, I enjoy racing the, I, I think there's, there's a lot of skill in racing the old cars and any anything that's new and ABS and paddle shift and downforce then a lot of practice, you'll get better with that. I think you need a bit more feel to race the older cars. And I actually think it's a bit of a leveller to race the older cars. I, I think if you are okay, then you'll do, in percentage terms, you'll probably do better if you haven't got quite as much time to put into it. If you can get the feel of that old you know, muscle car or whatever, and you know about how you're going to get the power down with, with no traction control, and you know about the weight transfer for when you're braking. I think for, for less investment, you'll get, in time, you'll get a percentage-wise, you'll get a better result. Absolutely. And the other thing is that because you do go on our video game aspect, going back to what you said, it makes you a better racer, you have so many different things that you get to try, whether you can find out what a car handles like when it's loose and how to get it to go fast with an older car or even a car that doesn't have any downforce or any grip. And then you can apply 
what that works onto perhaps you have a series that you're doing modern day cars mm. where you have all the grip galore. You know the limits of what that car can do and then some. Right. What's coming up in the Toro Radio show in the next episode or so? Um, Are you still doing the road test? We actually started doing a little bit different aspect of that. I know we just got bombarded with a ton of sim racing news to where we can't exactly get everything compacted enough down into our one-hour show. So we started doing a YouTube channel to where we brought the video aspect back to it. So uh, it's me and Jordan. We've decided to bring back the tour test track, and we can actually have a little bit more time on this. We don't have to, you know, it's like, okay, how much time do we have on the show? we got a five-minute block. Well, let's do 15 laps around Lime Rock. We can get it in on time on that. Yeah, exactly. And then find a car that's quick enough that we can talk about it and make it really exciting, which, I mean, around Lime Rock, it's... Anything's exciting. Yeah, no, true. Absolutely. Uh, Tora special this month to preview the British GT and the tie-up that you mentioned uh, with that. Yes. Uh, let's see. I do have that. That is on Friday the 29th with Angus Fender joining us from Century Motorsports. So right. Really looking forward to that. And how that. exciting is that to, to have that real world? I mean, the, the British GT in the real world is gangbusters at the moment, particularly in GT4. Mm. Uh, and are you seeing that on the virtual side as well? Is GT4 as popular as GT3? Um, I'd actually say anything Anything that is going to be incredibly popular that can get a lot of cars and get a lot of close racing with is going to be insanely popular. Okay. Whether it is a GT3 car, a GT4 car, like right now I think we got hot hatch sports sedans that are in a series. I mean, you got 94 Civics. I mean, there's cars galore. Yeah. You build it to a certain spec and you go race. And I've raced against people so close for so long, it's... I start to wonder if I'm going to get gray hair out of it, to be honest. So 29th of the month is the next uh, Toro Radio Show, 8 o'clock on RS1. Angus Fender, by the way, a real life racing driver, uh, as well as uh, a name in the sim racing world. And I will say that our pride and joy for the sim racing world, and he started racing with us before he made it big into the British Touring Car Championship, is Ash Sutton. Yeah, yeah. So he started racing with us, top bloke, so... He's our pride and joy, as I like to say. He's the poster he's child. Pr- yeah, he's, he's the, the poster. poster child from sim to real world. So, And it worked out great for him. So, Listen, thanks very much for all the hard work, you, Matt, and the rest of the Tora team, too. Tora Radio Show, 29th of the month. That's the uh, Thursday. It's Monday, Thursday, isn't it? It's Thursday before the week, the Easter weekend, 8 o'clock on RS1. Uh, Luis, thanks for coming in. Yeah, absolutely. And we got one more thing to mention. Matt really wanted me to get this in. We have the Janetta Super Cup. Oh, right. Sponsored by Janetta. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, G55 so Super Cup. Fantastic. I've driven those cars. I know you have, and I'm quite jealous. Uh, <laughs> super little car to drive. So that's, well, I might have to go and have, is that, what platform's that running on? Is that? I believe we're going to be doing that on Project Cars 2. Don't quote me on that. I don't have full right, details. Okay, okay. I believe it's just been However, go to so. the Toro website if Absolutely. you want all, all the details. And listening to the, listening to the Toro Radio Show. Thanks very much. Have a great weekend. Absolutely. Thank you. And you guys stay hydrated. I know Shay's staying as cool as she can and staying as much. Hydrated this is can. this is her weather. Uh, Lewis Satterley joining us here on Midweek Motorsport, live from Sebring. I've logged Mark in the shed, so I get to say, still to come on Midweek Motorsport. <laughs> Into the second hour of a slightly different time uh, uh, schedule for Midweek Motorsport, starting after the conclusion of the uh, FIA uh, WEC and we'll be back with that on RS3 a little later on tonight check the homepage of RegioLamont.com for details still to come our uh, sports car segment with Johnny and Shea 
And, of course, we've got the big interview ahead of two huge races this afternoon. We're going to be with Toyota driver Sebastian Buemi as he looks at the whole season so far, racing with a famous teammate and the Sebring eight hours, the thousand miles here on Friday night. All next on Midweek Motorsport here on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Midweek Motorsport on RS1. Well, I'm delighted to say that I'm with Sebastian Buemi here uh, outside of the Toyota encampment here at Sebring. Welcome back to Sebring. What do you remember of Sebring? You've been here by my reckoning. You have been here once before. Yes, yes. I've been here with uh, Rebellion, but now I, I don't even remember when. Two years ago, I think. Yeah, 17. Yeah, well yeah, done. Well done. And, uh, yeah, I didn't race much back then because we had a lot of mechanical issues, but... Uh, Still, I remember that it was a great weekend, that the atmosphere was cool, the track is amazing, so I think... Team got pole position here, did they? Yeah, Neil had pole position. Unfortunately, we didn't do many laps in the lead after all the, the problems we've had, but I remember it as a great weekend and I'm, I'm happy to, to be here and, you know, to discover it in, in a great car, the, the LMP1 from Toyota, and hopefully we'll, we'll have a good race. And I Come back to Sebring in a moment, but let's... Uh... Let's turn the clock back to the start of the season. And to do that, we've got to turn the clock back quite a long way to almost a full year ago when the season started at Spa. It's been an unusual season. How how has it been from your point of view? Yeah, we knew before starting that this was a kind of a transition year with the super season, as we we all call it. And... uh, yeah, it's a bit difficult because we've we've had only something like five races over in in one full year. So uh, um, you know we're gonna have now three races until including Le Mans, and then we we're gonna go back into a normal rhythm. But uh, it's been a, a good season for us because we won Le Mans and we won Spa. Unfortunately, got disqualified in Silverstone and then finished twice second in in Fuji and Shanghai behind the sister car. But you know, I'm, hopefully we will be able to fight for the win this weekend and uh, and see where we go. How easy or difficult do you find it to keep your motivation up with some quite big gaps in the schedule? Yeah, it's not easy. I have to say, mm. you know, because you kind of move to something else, and then when you come back to the race, you f- it feels like it's been ages ago that you've you've raced, you know. So um, because also we didn't do much testing, so. Yeah, it's it's not easy. Um, looking forward, let's say to to do well in the races, but then also to go into the next season where we'll go back to the normal rhythm yes. and then to the new regulation that should have hopefully have more competition, you know, with the other manufacturer. Well, you're brave. You're looking a long way ahead. I can't think about much further than tomorrow, to be honest. Um, Tell me about the teammates this year, um, having Fernando join you. What sort of experience has that been? It's been fabulous for the sport. I think he's done a, a great job. What's it been like for you being his teammate? It's been, it's been great. You know, He came in, uh, in the team, um, wanted to learn as much as possible. I've been really impressed by the attitude and, let's say, the commitment he had. You know, I was not expecting him to do so much and he, he really is... He's put the work in, so I, he kind of deserved what, what happened to him. You know, he did not just sit in the car and, and did well uh, because the competition with the sister car is, is really strong. You know, they, they, they're quick. Even if from the outside people think we are only racing one car, it's, it's a tough car to beat, you know. So, uh, yeah, but you're racing the clock and the circuit and everything else as well. Yeah, no, at the end, you know, it, it, 
looks easy, but it is definitely not. So, uh, you know, when you beat the sister car, you, you're quite happy. Has, has Fernando been brave to come and do this? He's been at the very top of his part of the sport. And we don't often see guys changing codes, as it were, and putting their reputations on the line. It, it, it could have gone horribly wrong for him. Yeah, yeah, he could have looked bad, but, you know, he did it in the right way. You know, he did Daytona last year to start to learn. Then he, he did lots of testing with us, lots of simulator. He, he's done it the, the, the way you should do it, you know. And then, of course, he's a great driver, so it ended up being a good, uh, a good story. But, uh, no, he, he's really worked hard, and, and that's why I think he deserved what, what happened, you know. If we focus on this weekend... Um, we know how tough it is round here. You talked about competition earlier on. The competition here is the bumps. The competition here is eight hours, four of which at least will be in the dark, and that's before anybody else that's on the grid. Yeah, uh, you have to finish the race, you know. Which uh, <laughs> That's an obvious statement, but, you're, but that's endurance racing, isn't it? Yes, and finishing the race here is not so easy because of the bumps, because of the traffic, because of the nature of the of the track and the race. It's going to be really difficult. Also, it's expected to be quite warm. So, no, no, it's hard to finish and it's hard to, to do a good job. So, first of all, before thinking about fighting the other guys, you need to make sure you do your your homework, homework and everything right. And then, and then we'll see. But uh, it's going to be different to what we are normally used to in the WEC. Traffic's always going to be an issue on the bumps around here, even more so, I would think, because you never know if a bump is going to throw you or the car you're trying to go by offline. Yes, uh, that's why we've done uh, quite a bit of testing. We came here three weeks ago. Uh, we were lucky enough to have some other GTs around just to, to learn a little bit uh, the, the, the traffic. So, no, clearly you, you try to pass those GTs as fast as you can, you try to lose, you know, the least amount of time. But of course, at the same time, you need to make sure you're going to stay on the road and you're not going to damage the car. Does the extra two hours make a, a huge amount of difference in terms of how you guys prepare as a team and how you prepare as a driver? I wouldn't. <laughs> that was Fernando slapping him on the back. By the way, that was a proper Fernando slap. That a proper one. Yeah. No, I think it doesn't change much those two hours, but still. You know, in the WEC, normally only one driver goes back in the car. Yes, yes. You know, otherwise we only drive once. So here, all of us three, we will go back at least twice in the car. So that's a bit different. And the strategy and the tyre management, it's, it's all going to be a, a bit different, but not, not a huge amount. How different is this track in the Toyota Gazoo racing car, the TSO 50, than it was when you were here for Rebellion? It's a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot faster. You know, we're going to have, uh, the, the, if it's dry. Do you notice that? As a pro driver, do you notice the difference in speed? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's going to be like, seven, in qualifying, maybe eight seconds quicker, you know? So it's a big, uh, it's a big chunk. And uh, the, I think the lap record was something in the 42s. Or, so you're going to be in the 39s, you know, in, in qualifying. It's going to be a, a big a big step, you know, in, in lap time. And... Uh, uh, we know the, the lap time in qualifying is a bit artificial, but still, it's going to be, I think, the record of the track. And uh, uh, when you, you race there and you stay two hours in the car, you know, doing lap times like that, it's not easy. And you need to keep the concentration up for sure. Where do you notice that most? Do you notice it coming into the corners that you're arriving there quicker? Do you notice it going through some of the... Because there are some pretty quick corners here. Turn one's pretty quick here, for sure. 
Yeah, but compared to an LMP2, you don't feel that you carry much more speed in the quick corners. The, the biggest difference is exiting the corner with the four-wheel drive and the hybrid system. There you you exit the corners so much quicker. You have so much more traction. So that's where you make most of the lap time. So, so the short straights are getting even shorter? Yes, shorter <laughs> and really bumpy. <laughs> Here's maybe a difficult question for you. If we think about the season, Sebastian, um, championship? Or another Le Mans win? You can't, let's assume you can't have both. So do you take the championship win or do you take another Le Mans win at the end of the end of this season? Well, I think I'll take another Le Mans because I, I already won the championship once. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be important to finish the three race, mm. even if it looks easy when you, you say that. But still, you know, it's 24 hours, 8 hours and 6 hours. So you, we have to make sure we finish, we don't do mistakes. Um, and then we will see, you know. But it's it's going to be difficult for sure. And final question: This about this weekend. Do you come to a place like Sebring and actually look forward to the race, or do you think I've just got to get through this, keep the car in one mm. one piece, and then get out of it, get on the plane on Sunday, and prepare for Spa and Le Mans? No, I I'm, I'm happy to be here. I enjoy. Do you know what? I can see that. I enjoy. Uh, being here, I look forward to being in the car, but then, of course, once the race starts, you know, and if you're in a good position, after a few hours, you start to think, okay, now just make sure you don't do any mistake, just make sure you stay on the track. So it depends where you are, if you are catching someone or if you are leading. Uh, the Let's say the spirit is, is totally different. So, uh, yeah, once you're in the in the car, you, you want to do well, you want to be quick, but you want to be, you know, have good reliability. So it um, depends where you are in the race. Well, we hope that you're somewhere near the front and have a, a challenge for the win. Uh, race well, and more importantly, race safely. Thank you. Thank you. So, Sebastian Buemi talked to me on, what day are we now? Wednesday? Tuesday. Uh, it's, it's been a bit like, you know, I, I haven't been travelling for such a long time and I've gone all to port as soon as I uh, get back to a racetrack. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport Series uh, 14, Episode 10, and talking to Sebastian here at Sebring because the FIA... WEC are here and let's discuss the prospects for the weekend after a long layoff. Uh, we've got the uh, RSL lead commentator here, Johnny Palmer, and joined uh, unexpectedly but wonderfully on time for uh, for this particular segment by the man who leads the WEC TV commentary and that would be Martin Haven. Hello, Martin. I'm ready for the Christmas quiz. Bring me my questions. <laughs> Yes. Just a little on retard. Yeah, just just a little How unusual bit. for me. Um, of course, you've been busy doing your winter job, which is bobsleigh sliding, bobsleigh and skeleton yeah. uh, since the the last round. So you've been still doing plenty of travelling. We've been doing other other motor races as well. But it's an inordinately long layoff, isn't it? In this this uniquely difficult calendar season of of this transition season, do you get the feeling, having been around the paddock today, that some of these guys, it's you know. It's a bit like coming back off the long vacation and the guys just want to get back to work. It's a little bit like Le Mans to the beginning of the next season is going to be where you have a sort of a long summer holiday, except in this case it was a, an entire winter season fitted in between the races. So the winter season was 12 weeks long, so that's, that fitted easily without any problem between uh, the last two races. So yeah, it, I think everybody's very, very glad to be racing, but also, as you just heard from Sebastian... To be back here, you know, Le Mans, Daytona, Sebring, they're the, they're the holy trinity, aren't they, of sports car racing. Um, and so for those who've been before, they know what to expect. 
But for those who haven't been, it's a, it is a big box ticked. You know, like when the Americans come over and Canadians and so on to Le Mans, it's a big box tick. So there's an awful lot of drivers here for the first time that are going, can't wait, can't it's, wait. It's been such a long time that I think we've had the entire Asian Le Mans series uh, in, in the break since the, the last WEC race. Got a lot of people towards the end of the year and it was sort of leading into Christmas, Johnny, when we were doing our reviews of the season, saying, why haven't you done your WEC review? Because yeah. the season wasn't over, of course. Yeah, I know. And that's the, the kind of strange thing about this one-off uh, season, although we are going to be spanning two calendar years as we went in depth about during the free practice one. So get used to this. It's not going to be quite as big a break because there's going to be a Bahrain race as soon as that calendar is concerned. Uh, confirmed, rather. 15th of December, I think, this year. And then a pause to Brazil and Sao, Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo. February. Early yeah. February. So it's yeah. going to be a much shorter gap. at the moment. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, a month and a half off uh, rather than the, the four we've had or whatever it However, is. However, reasonable comments from from the listeners and the fans um where did we leave the championship it, you know it's a bit like previously on the WEC well it is like a little bit season break isn't it I, I can tell you who the two and four man world champion is right excellent and, and the skeleton am and, I going to be surprised by- no no not at all even remotely but uh no it it is definitely stirring the memory banks it's almost as if you do Le Mans and then come back next year and went Right, I haven't done anything in between. Who won last year? I can't remember now. There's well, so much I'd going on. I'd completely forgotten until Sebastian, in that interview, mentioned it again, that both the Toyotas were disqualified at Silverstone for the floor infringements. Yeah. Mm. That, that, that had completely gone from me. When he said, of course, we were disqualified at, at Silverstone, I thought, why did his Toyota get... Oh, no, it was both of them, wasn't it? But because that happens after the race. So, so it's yeah, yeah, not... Yeah. It's, it's not, not concurrent race, with, with actually, yes. If they'd been pulled off and parked, you'd remember that because yeah, it happened true, in front of your point. eyes. Getting an email a week later doesn't quite have the same impact. So it is Fernando, Sebastian and Kazuki who lead the championship by, what, five points, Johnny? Uh, correct, yes. Pretty, it is pretty tight, you know, because of the five races, both Toyotas disqualified in one of those. So the other four, two wins apiece. I mean, it's pretty. So the difference is because of the Le Mans results, then. Uh, yeah, in the t- yeah, in yeah. the in the seven uh, and eight yeah. car and the additional the points for that. Car. And we've yeah. got additional points this weekend as well, though not quite as many as Le Mans carries. The two Le Mans carry, but yeah. thirty-two points for a win uh, in each of the classes this weekend. The, the obvious the obvious question, Martin, is about the competition to Toyota. I, I, I'll never criticise Toyota because they stepped up to the World Endurance Championship when Peugeot, having shouted long and hard about having it, then decided they weren't going to be a part of it, and. Toyota stepped up and, and gave us a championship and gave us some mm. competition when they weren't really planning to do that year. Um, but they, they haven't had, in terms of outright lap speed, that much competition. Or have they? Because things are getting closer, to, things are getting closer together. Well, the, the thing with the other P1 cars is that they are still doing up their bootlaces, whereas Toyota have been out with the car for two or three years already. They've ironed out the, the Gremlins. The team are fully up to speed and fully conversant in terms of how short a time they spend in the pits. They don't have dramas. They don't have problems. They've, they've worked out all the new car glitches. And if one thing has sort of stymied the other P1 manufacturers, it has been new car glitches, as yeah. it's bound to be with a new car. Uh, and that particularly is... Uh, apparent on the car in third position in the championship, which is the Thomas Laurent, Gustavo Menezes and Matthias Besch Rebellion racing car. No longer. Th- three, yes, well, yeah. indeed, we'll come to that in a moment. Yes. Third, third, first, with the two disqualifications. Mm. 
then they retired at Fuji, and then they came fifth. Johnny, if yeah. they'd continued to pick up those third positions, yeah. they would have been in a great position in the and championship. And their, their unfortunate problem in Fuji was a huge car wrecking off behind a safety car in, in driving rain. So, again, that was less of a new car issue, although for the drivers, actually, it was a new car issue because they hadn't experienced those conditions before in the car. And so that's when things catch up with you. It's like when you're driving a new hire car and you're always turning the wipers on. No, no, I want to turn left. I, I can see where I'm going. It's all of that. I mean, that's being facile, obviously. But it, it, when you are, when you are you, driving Martin. these cars... I know. <laughs> see, winter hasn't Steps changed me. back in, uh, in new season <laughs> amazement. <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's all those tiny little details that the drivers and the teams get used to, and, and that's what's holding the back. But is, is there not a similar error for Tom Laurent then at Shanghai, which yes. caused the, the fifth-place yes. finish when he, he left the road yeah. in the wet? Yeah. I mean, they had two, not the two only car to do that no, 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 during exactly that weekend. But, but is, that, is that, Johnny, a measure of how close things are behind Toyota, that, that we've had a number of interesting results? It's not, it's not been the rebellion, sure. They've had some... They've had some Issues with the, the rules as well themselves, but we've had some decent racing in the in the rest of the P1. Yeah, class, we have. The yeah. Class. And, and you know, it's a shame that, that, that there's not a little bit more parity between the privateers and the and the the, the, uh, the hybrid cars. But I think that that's intentional as far as the regulations are concerned. The hybrid should have a firm advantage, and I think it will do again this weekend. But uh, yeah, we're always interested in who's going to finish third because there is great variety there. Well, the other thing I would say is if you gave Rebellion a Toyota at the start of the season, would they have the depth of knowledge to run it quite as accurately and in the sweet spot and get it in the sweet spot and keep it in the sweet spot and with no disrespect to the drivers that they have, would they have the driving talent to do that as well? So it's, you know, let's be honest, you can give you and me a Mercedes Formula One car, neither of us are going to be world champion, mm-hmm. no matter how much practice we get. So there is that well, element of it. me, obviously. Obviously. You and Bradley, <laughs> you'd be a tenth off the pace. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, so there is that element of it as well. It's, not, it, it's the entire package. It's every element of the entire package. And it, see, it, it seems as though the Rebellion team have more of a handle on where their car works best. I, mm. I don't know from the inside, but looking outside in, it looks a little bit as though the SMP BRO one is a bit hard to keep because you get some really good laps out of it. Mm. And then you go, hang on, where have they gone? Yeah. Uh, and, and they have sort of dropped off the dial a little bit. Its aero balance seems to be very sensitive. Do you remember that year? When the, do you remember when that, the Porsche 911? Uh, they just it, it, when it was good it was great yeah. and it wasn't when it wasn't it was nowhere yeah. and it, it it was so that the, the the setup window was so small the envelope was was tiny and and I, I get that same idea about mm. the BRO one that they'll get okay 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 but as soon as there's a variable in like they've used fuel yeah. and it gets lighter or the tires have gone off a bit then it, it falls out mm. of that optimum performance and it's gone and I think in GT Aston Martin and to a degree BMW are struggling with that as well Aston Martin are getting closer to being able to hit their sweet spot all the time and 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 BMW haven't quite got there yet well we'll come back to the uh, we'll come back to GT cars but I want to talk about uh, LMP2 because Mm. LMP2 is uh, a roaring success, Johnny, both in WEC and particularly in the European Le Mans series. I mean, you could probably fill half a Le Mans grid and more, and lots of controversy there that we covered on last week's show. The P2s round here, in the IMSA competition, when I've seen them run here, they have suffered very badly. They've got 
a stock suspension that does not seem to be able to cope with the the bumps here. They've been quick. Uh, they were quick up against the DPIs even before the balance of performance was quite there in the early part of, of the first combined season. Um, but ultimately, they never lasted because of the attrition rate round here. Is that going to throw us a real curveball here this weekend for the World Championship? Yeah, highly possible because, I mean, that's the, the beauty of this place, if you like, maybe incorrect word, but because it is so punishing and because it's an extended race distance, it's going to be fascinating to see how strong these things are and, and a lot Lots of common components. So one car goes wrong, everyone else is going to be thinking, "How's our car doing?" And you know, are we on the brink of a very similar issue? Um, just the three different chassis we've got: predominantly Orica and the Alpine, which is an Orica. Half a chassis, yeah. Uh, one Ligier, which I mean, their priority, I think, is you know getting their less experienced drivers so much track time here uh, Romano Ricci's raring to go but he hadn't even seen the place prior to free practice earlier on so that was a learning curve and then some um, and the Wanderlara which did pretty well in free practice topped the time so yeah. I'm interested to see how that's going to well, go don't as well. forget that base Dallara chassis is what the Cadillac DPI is yep. and that's always done very well around here but with the caveat I'll say Martin that, that it has a completely different aero set up a big block of an engine and crucially round here different suspension setup given what i was saying about the p2 cars do those teams that have raced here or have experience here in, in imsa competition with the p2 car do they come here having an, an advantage i'm thinking particularly of elton julian and dragon speed any like that. experience yeah if you came here in 2012 you've got knowledge that you can go to it might not be necessarily immediately pertinent to your chassis to the exact but, car you've got yeah but the, it's like everything else you know the more you race the more different things you do the more you learn the more you go do you remember when? And, and sometimes slightly left field thoughts actually end up working for you. If it worked before with something else, there's no good reason why something similar might not work again. Because so, yeah, race car. Any experience, exactly. Any experience is experience here. You know, it, it's. It, but you're, you're absolutely right about uh, about if you're in an Orica and somebody comes in with a collapsed left rear corner then your drivers will start going to be hearing things. Yeah. You know, and here, and here it's not just push it back in the garage for two minutes. It's down the pit lane, round back up, and yada, yada, yada. So, so the loss of time in, in any incident or any breakage, and stay off the curbs, everybody, and I repeat, stay off the curbs, everybody, that's going, to, that's going to be a big factor as well that isn't normally when you're on a sort of relatively billiard table Formula 1-style circuit. So, so all of those... Yeah, never mind the bumps that are the, the, the unavoidable. It's well, the bumps that are avoidable that, that are going to hurt. That there will be traces on your suspension here where the guys will say, we told you to stay off the curbs. They'll say, mm. no, that wasn't the curb. That was down the straight. Yeah. Because th there is that much deflection yes. in places. Uh, let, let's, let's move on to GT then. Um, I posited earlier on. And did you? Yes, I did. Bless. And, and, and I felt much better after it. <laughs> yes. I always do after a good posit. Um, I, the... the Perhaps Porsche, Ford, Corvette might have a bit of an advantage over Aston Martin because they had IMSA teams to whom they could say, can I have a look over your shoulder? Twice mate? as much data. Yeah. yeah, and yet Aston Martin turned out of the first free practice session, first and I, and I think fifth in Pro and top of the charts in GTE. Um, I mean, that can't be a lucky brick. Well, they've not never been here before. But not in that. Not in the new car. No, not in the new car. The old car obviously is similar, but they've. It's again. It goes back to the sum of what you know, mm. and they do know about this place. They know on the old car that worked. Let's try it on the new car. Different aero 
different chassis to a degree, but predominantly lump up front, rear drive, big, big similarities have got to be there. You know, aero trim here isn't going to be the killer, is it? It's hugely sophisticated suspension somehow giving you traction while also soaking up the bumps. And that's and that is the balance here because you want to run it as stiff as you can for a good aero balance and to stop it rolling like a 2CV in the corners. On the other hand, you want it to be like a 2CV over the bumps. Yeah. So it's a, it's a huge suspension-led balance, I think, the whole thing. Hello, streetcar division. Can we have one of those things where I can change the suspension as I'm going along <laughs> yeah. from dynamic to comfort? Because I need that to kind of be happening. That's Formula One active ride. Yeah. But, but that's, that, that's going to be there. But the biggest challenge, uh, apart from actually making the thing survive, I mean, you know, it's, ever since we've been coming here, the Americans have been saying half as hard twice as, or half as long twice as hard, hard, haven't they? You know, and it, it, it's famously the car breaker you bring things to to try and make sure they last a Which long. is why in their successful years, Audi came out here to do winter testing and stayed mm. here for 10 days at a time. Peugeot did it in their heyday. Toyota have done it here. They were here three weeks ago doing some additional testing and, and managed to get out in a mixed session as well with some GT cars. Which the GCs must have th- been thrilled by. Exactly. Get some nice gentle testing. Get our gentleman drivers up to speed and you've got Bohemi and Alonso <laughs> whistling past your ears inside corners. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. I, I mean, just talking about those Aston Martins, Johnny, again, it strikes me that, of course, in the GTE AM category, Paul Dallalana, Pedro Lamy and Matthias Lauda have been here before. Mm. They have raced here before. Um, they've raced Ferrari here before. They've, I think they've raced an Aston here before uh, as well. So they kind of know the challenges that's, that this place is. And uh, yeah, there are changes year to year, but they'll know where they go. Oh, you need to be half a car offline here mm. because yeah. of that big bump just as you're coming in the corner. And that's gold dust, isn't it? Massively so. And you can apply it then to your latest bit of machinery. But, uh, you know, if you know the place as a driver, then you're already leaps and bounds on from those that have never raced here before. So, uh, yeah, I, and I've said that before about those three drivers. They're a great unit anyway, wherever they travel to. Um, they're probably at the stage now where they know what each other are thinking. So, they race so well at Daytona, as you say, in a Ferrari. And I think Paul Dallalana was almost considering doing both races until quite late on and figured it's better to, to concentrate on the World Endurance Championship race. You're only as good as your last result. Uh, Paul Dallalana and his team, their last time out there would have been at Bathurst. They won after a very, very trying first part of the week when um, basically everybody was using Paul like a plant in a game of billiards game and knocking them into the into the wall but they come away immensely buoyed by that a circuit that is completely different in terms of its layout but has a challenge to it that's not dissimilar to here it's not your standard circuit Bathurst and they went there and they beat the mountain that'll give them a huge amount of confidence well and the other thing is particularly in a race that's going to be this long and likely quite damaging if you're in a GT car they won it at the death when it all seemed to be lost. And, th- and, it's, and it's not so much, you know, if they led all the way, fantastic, yada, 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 never giving up and somehow clawing victory out of the jaws of defeat. Now, that's what they bring here. That's your last, you know, you're only as good as your last result. Well, they're pretty darn good at that rate. So, so it's that, you know, all of that. And, and actually, you know, if we were going to Silverstone, less of an issue. But yeah. coming here, yeah. never giving up on a car yeah. that's gone behind the wall. You know, how many times do we see that in, in American racing? If it goes behind the wall, it's not necessarily over. It's not a huge class either. And no. there's not a lot of relevant Sebring experience in that category. 
and with that comes the potential for error. Yeah, and, and an accident here is normally not just five minutes behind the wall, a bit of gaffer tape and out again. You'll be losing half an hour, 40 minutes and several... Well, I think the European laps. equivalent would be the Nordschleifer. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's yes, going to be good. a long time coming back out. At Silverstone, you can knock a dive plane off or you can, you know, damage the splitter and you're in the garage and you're back out in two minutes. Here, there are body panels in the pit lane. Um, so behind the, behind the, 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 the garage, because the, because the pit wall area for each team is not a car garage narrow yeah. it's a car long yeah. so it's sort of twice the depth yeah. they've normally got there are tire ovens and all the other stuff but there are also body panels noses and and rear ends and wings and so on so those elements might be changeable split the floor you're yeah, out yeah, yeah and it's going to be a long time because you're not necessarily right yeah. behind your pit you can't no. just just roll it in you've obviously been up to see the the new pit lane i think you have a, you haven't seen it yet I no. that's a walk he doesn't walk you know that well, we've got a golf cart darling does everybody not have them? Really? <laughs> Love. Um, I need to see that pit lane entry because I actually thought it was after the Le Mans curve, which brings you on to the straight, it's but it's before, before that, yeah, isn't it? It's yes. before. And yeah. I only got so that coming from off the, the racing line. Yes. What, what, what is slightly confusing is when you're watching the GPS tracker on there. Oh, where's that car gone? Oh, yes, that's where the pit lane is. Right. Well, you, you, you're going to have the um, what I normally have to do on radio and Johnny has to do for TV. Silverstone ELMS. Yeah. It's like, oh, we've lost, we've lost the leader. The leader's gone. Uh, no, no, he's just gone into, into the pits. Because yes. he's, he's come up with stop. <laughs> yes. Because the Alchemel timing software is clever. It realises it's a certain amount late. Yeah. And it flashes up to tell you, oh, he's, he's, oh, no, he hasn't. Well, now, of course, they've got the pit entry beacon. So on, it, to, to describe it, you've got a black TV screen with the with diagrammatic of the track and little dots running around with all the numbers on to tell you where the various cars are. And when you're following one and it disappears, it either comes up on the left-hand side below a little banner that says in pit or on the right-hand side below a little banner that says stopped. Yep. Um, so when they vanish, they don't always... It's not always immediate evident because this is the only place where they vanish from the actual racetrack. Yes. Nowhere near where the, quote, pit lane is normally on start-finish. So you're exactly right. Silverstone's uh, complimentary pits, the VIP pits, yes. appear to be <laughs> a similar thing to what we've got here. That's a very good... I, I, I must... Put that into my head and try and work it in. That can be useful at least once, once a race. Uh, question for you. We saw Shea was in the pit lane for us earlier on this afternoon. And we were explaining the difference in game. But actually talking about GT cars. Because we have got some drivers here, uh, the Corvette drivers, who will jump into the IMSA car mm. on Saturday. They're on the same Michelin compound and construction. But those constructions are... are built to be warmed in warming cabinets yep. where the, the, you're not allowed that in, in IMSA at all. But we did see, uh, and we, we thought this might have been a bit of a no-no, a team who shall remain nameless, it was Toyota, um, had brought tyres out to the wall in blankets. Yep. And I thought that wasn't allowed. That's a very good question. My relationship with blankets has been quite intimate over the last few weeks. I've been spending a lot of time under a under lot them. of blankets <laughs> yes, trying to stay warm in various drafty hotel rooms. But uh, that's a very good question. No, I mean, all the tyre ovens are there. It was my understanding that the regulation said, mm. and I think this has been backed up by Fiona Miller, so I, I, I know this to be true, that once you've taken them out of the oven, they've got to be exposed so that they can be seen at all yeah. times. You're yeah. not allowed... It's, and we're not talking... By the way, we're not suggesting here that these were electric blankets um, for um, 
for heating them. Yeah. Th- these these were actually there wasn't any even any ovens. They were just sitting behind the wall with blankets wrapped around them. I, I, I don't think that's allowed. Unless they've got a dispensation to do it here because of the... the well, if they're behind the, the wall, that's the equivalent of having them wrapped in blankets out behind the garage but at you're not Mans. allowed to have them wrapped in blankets at Le Mans. No. You, they heat them in the cabinet. Well, they heat them in a tyre cabinet so that they can heat a mass at a long time, whereas if you plug them into a blanket, you need lots of blankets. So what's, your, what's your interpretation of blankets? Have we got a definition of a heaven keep me, blanket? Keep me warm. Long. Yeah, big, big. Yeah. Didn't I don't not didn't very have a wide. one. He's looking as fit as a butcher's dog's personal trainer. I don't think so. It's, it's been it's it. been a long four weeks in North America of beige food. All right, I'm okay. less than svelte. Uh, what we're going to see then, Martin, at the weekend is it going to be the the usual, you know. Dog fight at the front between the two Toyotas and it, then it, everybody else is fighting. Actually, I think what we're going to see is absolutely not the usual. And that's that's what you always get at Sebring. You get not the usual. All right, there's the usual crowd at Turn 10. And it was very good to go and catch up with old ALMS friends there. But I think it'll be very much not a standard WEC race because nothing here is standard WEC. The track, the facilities, the you know half the race being dark. That doesn't happen unless it's spring in Silverstone. <laughs> and, it. It, and it's hot. I mean, it's not hotter than Hades. I think race day temperatures should be hovering a little higher than it is now. Sort of today, it's 27, 28. I think race day 30. Humidity is 50 to 60%. So it is going to be physical in terms of what a punishing the body gets. Um, and again, that's different from most of our races. So I, th- I think... That, Without, without wishing to sound really crass, I think we should expect to see a very different race from what we normally see. Is this an opportunity, Johnny, given that you know most times the P1 cars, the hybrid cars, should I say, spend their time, um, the drivers do the sims in between, they, they settle on their setup, and when they get to the track, all their time is sent op- spent optimising the systems that talk to each other from the hybrid and the drive system and the braking systems. Now here, they're having to get back into bump and rebound quite Mm. significantly. I accept the bin here. Is there a chance that Toyota might not win this race? Yeah, of course there's a chance. A reasonably strong one. I'm never sure how, how hard Toyota have had to push so far this season with nobody else in the hybrid class and also as as martin said billiard table smooth tracks whereas this Which is, is what the car was built for yeah and th- this is known this place is known for breaking cars and I, you just wonder how how that toyota's going to cope over a thousand mile period you know 268 laps around this place one of them's going to go wrong at some stage, and it's about how the, how quickly they respond to that, and That's a good point. Uh, and, and the and the magnitude of the problem as well. So we're going to get to see, you know, just how good Toyota are this weekend, and if they get to get the win, they will have earned it. All the free practice sessions plus qualifying and the race live here on RS3. Martin and the TV team uh, on the app. Uh, Velocity here in the States and uh, Motor Trend as well. And the app is is not going to be geoblocked for this race. Uh, That's a change for this race. Not for the rest of the season, but you can buy it as a one-off if you're here uh, in the US. Looking slightly further forward than... uh, So it's not called Velocity anymore, is it? It is called Motor Trend Channel uh, over here in the States. Um, uh, Looking slightly further ahead than this weekend, Martin, back to Spa and Le Mans for the mm. second time to, to round off the 1819 uh, season. And, and then we get into 
what might be called the normal new version of mm. the season, starting starting at Silverstone. Is it is it very much more of the same when we get back in into Europe and and then basically everybody's looking forward to Le Mans again, as everybody always does. You know, it, it's slightly different because we're going there for the second time in one season and normally if you win Le Mans you pretty much just have to sign your name on the top of your exam paper and you've won the world championship because you've got such a huge points lead but you can I mean Le Mans this year uniquely uh, up until now obviously this setting the case pace for the future you can come from quite some considerable way behind if you win and your rival ahead of you doesn't score strongly or at all and not scoring at all at Le Mans is a definite possibility no matter who you are because it's such a tough long race and particularly if you're in as I was going to say particularly if you're in the GT categories or actually particularly in any category other people's accidents can come and ruin mm-hmm. your season so it, it's going to be a very different dynamic going to Spa normally it's the sort of precursor we're right new car new team new driver lineup we're getting ready for Le Mans mm-hmm. here it's you know, we're, we're looking at entering the home stretch and then there's that massive final hurdle. I hadn't thought about that before. Martin's brought up a really cracking point about two Le Mans in a year. You, you can't just get your feet up, put your slippers on. And, no. Uh, and, no. And never will be able to again because it'll always be, be... the one at the end. It's, it's, the, it's the Everest yeah. at the end of the mountain peaks. You've, you've got to get through all these peaks and troughs and then there's that massive jackpot at the end for somebody. Yeah, that's a really good and point. So, and and so it's going no, to keep other people in play as well. No longer will we ever see a manufacturer having to shuffle the order of cars through the season to preserve a leading team, or being able to, having to, being able to, same thing. So you will definitely... Yeah, I, 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 it, sort of, it doesn't render the previous races redundant but it does mean and again this is going back to the Bathurst thing it does mean even if you've had a tough season you can't afford to to, to give up on it because Le Mans could turn everything around in a heartbeat mm. so so it has it's going to have that effect it's going to make sure that the the season is not tied and, and mm. signed, sealed and delivered halfway through the, the year. The point you make about getting tangled up in somebody else's accident at Le Mans, it might be a car that's not even in your championship, of course, because there's so many other people out mm. there yeah. with the 34 yeah. regular yep. entries. And um, I, mean, I, I never wanted a championship to overtake Le Mans as a standalone event, I think it does. but I think no. it's actually going to add to it. No, massively. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I this conversation is sort of I, I know there, yeah. was a, uh, there was a lot of discussion about this going back, way back, um, how long have you been to the telly now? I, we had this discussion this morning. Is this your third year? Yes. Mm. yes. So when was third the? So what I'm saying is, when's season, the last I time I did it? So I Possibly. lasted it sixteen. Yeah, I think at the end of sixteen, Bahrain was yeah. my last. So you did. You've done yeah. seventeen, eighteen, and uh, seventeen, in, 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 in and now into eighteen, nineteen. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yes. Even before I left in in sixteen in Bahrain, we'd had a meeting either early on that season or possibly as far back as as uh, at the prologue in 15 and Pierre Fion the, the president of the ACO was very very keen on making Le Mans the end of the championship yeah. and moving to this um, autumn in the spring summer and um, the, the championship the WEC were the people who were slightly worried about that because they didn't want the winners of Le Mans to overshadow, overshadow mm. the winners the world of the world championship but given that 
even and, and this I think was a, a turning point we had this discussion in on the beach at Bahrain at the, at the party and we had our world champions there and we couldn't honour them at the I said we I was mm. part, part of the team mm. so it was me and Louise doing the uh, um, it was Louise and I doing the, the, the presentations we couldn't honour our own champions because that had to wait until the FIA World Championship yeah. ball so we got them on stage but we couldn't give them their trophies we couldn't, so it doesn't matter that Le Mans is at the end because no. the world championship is something you go oh by the way the world championships are and they'll be in somewhere and, and, spiffy and, and, later and, on this month and that might be something because again if they're not actually going to be confirmed before the FIA awards gala in December mm. we'll be two or three races into next season by yeah. then possibly four um, so so there that that is something that the ACO definitely has to well they might not be able to book because they'll be racing and and the, and the FIWEC, the organisers, have to definitely look at is is being able to present. I mean, you know, if you win the world championship, receiving your trophy as a world champion on the podium at Le Mans, whether you've won the race or not, is a very fine place to be handed a trophy mm. instead of some random ballroom in some random hotel somewhere. Yeah, but that's not going to be allowed to happen. We know that, mm. unfortunately. Um, right, more of a quick general point before we start talking about uh, IMSA and I get Sheer Adam in here uh, as well um, we have had two drivers who are ever present Marcel Fesler wasn't it no what did I say that Andre Andre Lotra and Christian Reid was the, yep. the, the yeah, other was. one and, yep. and, and he he is back this weekend he Correct. got a late deal but Lotterer isn't here this weekend because he's right. testing on a simulator yeah, he's for Formula E yep Words I never thought I'd hear somebody missing from one world championship because his other world championship is calling him to be on a simulator. Now, yeah, Jan Martin, our big interview, real testing. It's no, but Jan Martin, on the big interview a couple of weeks ago, was telling us how important that sim testing for Formula E is. Now, yeah, because you're thinking sim testing, it'd be dampers, it'd be suspension, no, no, be no, learning no, no, the track. No, 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 no. Regen. It, 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 it's, all, it's all of the electronics. Yeah, regen, regen. That's, that's particularly what you'll get from a sim, you know, in non-specific testing. Is, uh, is that going the to be the way of, of the world, though? Is what, that the way championships the world clash with championships? Well, well, so well as, as soon as as soon as WC heads into the winter, oh hello, the bobsleigh commentator's got a bit of an issue with that. Everybody else is loving it because yeah. it means that the summer carries on. And I mean, there's there's almost more sports car racing between October and March now than there is in the do, do in the northern hemisphere, longest, if you like. Do you know when our longest, my longest time now without going on an event is from when I get back at Bathurst to when I come here? Yeah, it's it's not in the traditional. Summer. Uh, September yeah. to March, yeah. it's it's five weeks in February and the start yeah. of March, and that's yeah. it. He just stayed in Australia. He didn't bother coming back. Well, you know, it was warm. Beards grow better there, don't Apparently. they? Apparently. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Not that much better. Hanging out with Creelsey. Poor. Obviously. <laughs> uh, Martin, have a good one this weekend. You got, you have you got McNeishan Graham with you? Yes. Yes. So uh, the, the gang's back together. Yeah. And, and where are you? Wor- I, I expected you would be somewhere along here, but presumably you've got a commentary box. We're in a trailer that has aircon and oh. no windows, which That's is right. exactly what you need in life. Yeah, right beside the TV truck, so right. it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. Right, but you only have to talk to what you can see on the screen to what you give. Okay. I can see out of my window. I don't care what no, you can no, see exactly out of my right. window. What am I looking at on yeah. my television? Uh, exactly. Absolutely. So. Mark, thanks for being with us, mate. Best to the guys. Uh, particularly say hello to um, uh, Cedric and the guys on um, on the 
the highlight show. Yeah. Because I really love working with those guys and I miss them massively. Um, thanks, mate. Johnny, looking forward to this weekend? Completely. Yeah. Uh, both races, but it's going to be fun to, to watch the WEC with, um, apart from Le Mans, this is the longest race in World Endurance Championship history. And I'm, you know, I'm loving the fact that it's measured by distance, which is very different from what we've ever had before. So uh, we'll see whether we make uh, 268. I, well, I was going to say, will, will it be less. Will it finish before midnight, or will we have less than two hundred sixty? I think it's more likely that we'll get to midnight. If it if it m- managed to run without any safety car or any sort of intervention like that, we could get to two seven one. I'm reliably informed by a certain Paul Trustwell. So three laps more than the thousand miles, but obviously it'd be flagged before that point. Yeah, we're going till midnight. It's a thousand miles or eight hours, whichever yeah. comes first. It's, it's like it's thousand kilometres or Silverstone six hours, whichever comes first. Which is fine in the days when the cars didn't do a thousand kilometres in six hours. Yes. Uh, they, they can do about fifteen hundred now. It's, yes. it's quite yeah. remarkable. Uh, Eduardo Freitas is the man who will be making the decisions through yellow flags. He, he uh, and he, he doesn't like full course cautions in terms of rolling the safety car out. He might do virtual safety car. Um, he'll certainly do. Um, st- uh, local yellows where he can with American marshals uh, and American insurance considerations that might not be quite as easy as it would be in Europe. Uh, Martin, thanks for being with us. Johnny, uh, mm. we'll speak to you in a wee while over on RS3 for the uh, for the next session. Uh, Indeed. Okay. Cheers, mate. Thanks, guys. Uh, that's RS3 for the weekend. Tim Gray is up in London, been listening intently to that. Uh, shall we steer with sports cars and do IMSA next, uh, Tim? Uh, can I do something else while we have Shay though? Yeah, Shay is now here, still in her very lovely Adidas race, race suit. It's very every, comfy. Every year, very comfy. this week, every year, at literally 10 p.m., just as Midweek Motorball finishes on this particular Wednesday of the year, uh, NASCAR issues a press release. And obviously, because Midweek Motorball finishes, we never get to talk about it. <laughs> uh, so this year, Very uh, useful. we've delayed the show by 36 minutes. Uh, and one of the reasons is that we can get this NASCAR press release in. Ooh, these are the nominees for NASCAR's Hall of Fame of 2020. All right, let's right. have them. Uh, so 20 nominees. Uh, five of them will then be uh, put on a short... Uh, no, this is a short list. Five of them will be... Uh, admitted into the Hall of Fame uh, at the end of the year. Uh, so, among the list this year, we have uh, Joe Gibbs. Yes, worthy nominee. Very nine worthy. titles as an owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Ricky Rudd, 23 time top series winner, including the 1997 Brickyard 400. Yeah. Yeah, okay. We have uh, Red Farmer, three-time late model sportsman championship champion. Right. Uh, That's gone back a bit further. A bit further. Uh, More recently, we have Tony Stewart, three-time Cup Series champion and two-time winner of the Brickyard 400. Yep, he's in. A lot lot of people will understand why that's the case, yep. Uh, Larry Phillips, the only five-time NASCAR Weekly Series National Champion. This is the first time, by the way, that Tony Stewart's been eligible for uh, nomination. Yeah, he'll be a single ballot nominee. Yes, correct. Uh, Good point. uh, Waddell Wilson, who uh, won three Cup Series Championships as an engine builder. Okay. And uh, I'm not going to read out all of them, uh, just picking out some big names. Uh, the other big name I can see is Jim Paschal, who uh, won 20, 
five uh, times in the uh, top series. Oh, also Buddy Baker. I hadn't spotted him. Oh, oh yeah. 19-time race winner. There's only surprise there for me that he <laughs> isn't already... already. Never yeah, champion, absolutely. Though. Never a champion. Yeah. Mm. But a household name. Indeed. Winner of the Daytona 500, Southern 500. Uh, He's won some big races, though. That's yeah. the point. Yes. Um, yeah. They've also announced the nominees for the uh, NASCAR Landmark Award. Now, right. this is What's for that? What's that different? people who are not racing drivers, oh, um, okay. but who have a connection with NASCAR. Uh, and one of these five will win the Landmark Award. Uh, they are Edsel Ford II, right. yes. obviously uh, director of Ford Motor Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Helton, third president of NASCAR mm-hmm. since 2000. Yeah. Uh, Presi- presided over a, 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 a very important period of change yes, for the series. very much. Uh, mm-hmm. Previously, he uh, ran Atlanta Motor Speedway. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Alvin Hawkins, who is NASCAR's first flag man. He established NASCAR racing at the Bowman Gray Stadium with Bill France. See, I like that. Yeah. yeah. I like that because that's the sort of unsung hero type of award that I like to see. Uh, Dr. Joseph Mattioli, the man who built Pocono. Right. Same, same thing. Can easily be forgotten in the sands of time. Forgotten, sorry. And Ralph Seagraves. A former executive of R.J. Reynolds. As in Winston Cup. As in Winston Cup. Yes. Well, again, you can argue whatever you like about the rights and wrongs of the, the sponsorship, different times, etc., etc., but it's certainly helped establish the sport where it is to where it is today. Very interesting, that, Tim. Thanks very uh, much. Mike Helton, by the way, is uh, the only person uh, who is both nominated and also on the uh, nomination committee. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, seems a bit like the elections in Georgia. Moving on. Yes. Shall we do him, sir? Yeah. Yes. Before we run out of time. <laughs> um, uh, Tim slipped that in without telling me, so that was uh, that it wasn't expected. Dropped in the last twenty minutes. Uh, what do we know about this weekend? Yeah, the cars for IMSA out tomorrow. We've got full coverage, obviously, on IMSA radio. Have we got to the bottom of the story that you broke for us last week, just before 10 o'clock, about the new data collection? Two data nope. sticks being swapped through the race. No, we haven't, and nobody is talking about it, which is making me even more interested in it. Uh, we will get to the bottom of it in the first IMSA WeatherTech practice session, because I will go up to the timing stand and ask Mr. Carter to explain it to That's us. Jeff Carter. Mr. Jeff Carter, yes, who yeah. is wonderful and, and quite... And he, and he will. Or, he or will. Say, I can't talk to you about that right now, yes. uh, but I will give you an answer. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So I'm going to put it forth to the powers that be for a better clarification on it, but we noticed it and we will get more answers tomorrow. We talked about the entry list because that was out uh, last week. We there talked a little bit about it, but there are a couple more things worth diving into if, if you would like to. Uh, in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship mentioned that Grasser Racing Team is entered in this race. That's worth hitting on again because they are technically the GTD points leaders. Mm-hmm. So coming into this weekend, they get the 
best GTD pit box, which means that the Aimfaster Sullivan guys now find themselves mired a little bit further back. It's going to shape the way that the race plays out, and it also means that one more GTD team is further down the pit lane than they expected. And by the way, when the GTD cars all come into pit, it's going to be chaos at pit in because there's so many of them clumped at together. End, yeah. Yes, so that will have uh, further implications. Philip Frommenweiler is the third driver in one of the aforementioned Lexuses. He is sharing with Jack Hawksworth and Richard Highstand. Philip, who has driven with Lexus in the past, it's interesting that they picked him because Austin Sindrick, who would have been filling in, is going to be out in California this weekend for the Xfinity race. He's not available. More on NASCAR later. Um, we also have uh, Lawson Aschenbach, who is announced as the third driver in the PPM Lamborghini. I'm sure you won't mind me saying this, please, but Aschenbach's back. Exactly. That's what I was setting you up for. So, yeah, we have Lawson back, which is pretty cool. Uh, so those are the big things from the WeatherTech entry list that we didn't talk about last week. Of course, the most prolific... Just one second. Question from Tim. Uh, do we have enough pit reporters that we have two at a time in the pit lane during WeatherTech sessions? Yes. Yes. Excellent. That means we can have someone permanently stationed at the GTD Chaos. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, in fact, we'll designate someone a GTD Chaos reporter. Yes. Well, if you go out to the pit wall, thankfully here at Sebring International Raceway, you've got an excellent view from either end, so there can be safety amongst the GTD Chaos. Sorry, of shiny thing. There's yes, four beautiful Ford Fords on the front straight. So yeah. while you're taking a picture of that, I will uh-huh. go back right to on. my point about NASCAR. The Xfinity Series and the uh, Monster Energy Series are running out at... Auto Club, I want to say. They're out near Los Angeles. California. Yes, yeah. they're out in California doing their West Swing. Uh, the trucks are not. The Gander Outdoor Truck Series. Good. Tim, I know that'll make you smile that I just said that. You'd be happy. Which means that we can have some of those yeah, four they're drivers. On a, they're on an off week. They're on an off week. Yeah. Uh, why take a weekend off when you can reassign your four drivers to come and drive the Multimatic Mustangs, the GT4 Beasts that will be in the Michelin Pilot Challenge? So in the 22 car, Matt Crafton, two-time champion, sharing with Grant Enfinger. And in the 15 car, it is Ben Rhodes and Marty Snyder's kid, Matt. Mm. So that's going to be a lot of fun to have them. There's an extra Mustang this weekend. It is bright green and beautiful. That's the number 58 machine. An extra Carbon Audi R8 being run for the team owner, Mark Siegel, sharing with Tom Dyer. 50 kilos more to the McLaren. So we'll have to see how that shifts their balance after they were so strong at Daytona. Of course, that affects Mia and uh, Compass more than anyone else. That's Those almost the only as two. much as the, how much they're left out. Yes, yes. They left 73 kilos out. That was the um, TCR car that ran at Austin. Yes, you are correct. And the other big story in terms of IMSA this weekend, in the TCR category, we have another Audi that marks the return of our 2018 champion, Britt Casey Jr. He's going to be sharing with Mikey Taylor in, of course, a JDC Miller car. Uh, Sport with Brian Herter this morning uh, about the Velosta N. Uh, that they're running the pair of didn't get the result they wanted at Daytona spoke to him this morning and said right what what you know new car he said yeah yeah new car and I said so is it that different from the the i30n that you were in he says no 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 it was just a new car and I said shrugged me and he shrugged his shoulders and I went he said we weren't ready mm-hmm. he said we weren't ready and I said and he said we are now so I, I reckon watch those pretty blue cars yep um, and that race uh, of course, in the Mission Pilot Challenge. Friday not only at noon. Friday at noon, before the 
uh, before the FIA WEC race, and we will have that in sound and vision for you, and the IPC race in sound and vision as well. No geo blocks on those two races, by the way. 140 cars are set to run over the course of this weekend. Wow. 106 of them come from the IMSA paddock, so there will always be something on track from Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and chances are that you will find something shiny, much like John just did, to take a picture of somewhere around the world. I love the fact that the that it's been meticulously set up for the photographer for Ford, and they've got all four of their cars on the front straight, uh, and there's a big set of ladders and all that. And the photographer can't get up there at the moment for team members and drivers climbing up with their cell phones, well, which I think is very funny. And I do like the uh, sneaky photographer up on the top of the scaffolding for camera, which will be the start-finish camera, as, uh, yeah, everybody else is taking pictures with their cell phones. And by the way, we haven't got time to chat with him because he's had to dash away. But uh, just popped in, uh, Ray Wenzel Jr., Rooftop Ray, is here. It's his 25th straight, uh, 25th consecutive Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring. He is on camera one Ooh, at turn lost one. John there. No, still here. You still got me? Hello, Tim. Can you still hear me? Hello, Tim. John, are you still there? Yes, yeah, still talking. Okay, I'll call you back now. Still talking. All right, sorry. Uh, the yes, uh, so Ray is on camera one at turn one, and uh, so rooftop Ray. So when if you are watching any pictures, that is when you will see Ray where the cars are charging down uh, towards turn one. Uh, I'm not going to bother going through the live schedule, Tim, because it's all on the bottom of RadioLamont.com. RS two and three from now on are doing the hard work. All the IMSA sessions on RS two. All of the FIAWEC sessions, including free practice too, which comes along in a little while. Go and look at it. Dinner first. Dinner first, absolutely. There's time for something to eat. Uh, time to say goodbye, Tim. Pretty much, yes. Okay. Next week, back to a more normal time and back to a more normal venue as well as... Uh, I'll be back at home. Tim will still be up in London and we'll have our usual variety of guests. Thanks to Martin Haven uh, and to Lewis Satley and to Sebastian Buemi, also to Johnny and Shea and to Nick. The responsible adult is omnipotent and Tim was up in London. Uh, there's no time to explain. The llama has no time to do anything except, well, be a llama called Lena. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.